give me a second chance, I'd do it all over again. Welcome to Press YYZ, The Last of Us Part 2 Spoiler Cast. My name is Alex Ballon, and with me, there is, uh, with me is a amazing cast of gray heroes, uh, AJ Fraser. How's it going? It's going well. Mitch George? I got a haircut. And Alexander Kozina. Unfortunately, Nathan left us, so now it's just the last of us. Ha ha ha. See you later, guys. This has been the last episode ever. Bye. All right. Well, I mean, you know, we still got a we still got a whole game to to talk about. And so, before we start to talk about The Last of Us Part 2, which was released on June June 19th, um, I want to just quickly go through our, our just our experiences with the first game and sort of where our anticipation was for part two. Uh, I'll start with you, AJ. What was your experience with the first Last of Us? So I played The Last of Us originally um, back when it first came out on the PS3 um, and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, and then, like, what was it? Half a year later, six six to nine months later is when Left Behind came out. I went ahead and plugged my PS3 back in because, you know, the PS4 was out by that point and uh, played through Left Behind. I purchased uh, the uh, Last of Us Remastered, um, played a little bit of the multiplayer, played a, a, a small bit of the way through the story again, like, after that came out. And then didn't really pick it up again until about a week before the last of us two came out this year um and played through it all then and thoroughly enjoyed it again felt refreshed and all caught up perfect uh mitch what has been your experience with the the last of us franchise the last of us is the game that murdered my playstation 3 oh no the Did last it turn of it us into a clicker. No, the last of us. I could probably play thirty-minute sessions until it would inevitably yellow light my PS3. And for those who don't know, oh. that means the thing's getting hot. The thing got super loud, and then the thing stopped playing games for a while. What version of the PlayStation Three did you have? I have and still have because it still works. It just after thirty minutes of the Last of Us, it gives up. So it just doesn't it is... work. So it only just doesn't work for the Last of Us. Yeah. Okay then. It, wow. It, Three. Last of Us causes it to get too warm, so it shuts itself off. Um, huh. I have one of the last backwards compatible PS3 fats. Okay. Yeah. So it was the last bundle they came out with with MotorStorm, I believe it was, the 80 gig mm-hmm. PS3. Still works fine. It's sitting down in storage, so it probably doesn't work fine anymore, but at the time it did. So it killed my PS3, so I never finished it when it first launched, even though I was super, super hyped for it. I did end up getting the remaster on the PS4, played through it and the Left Behind DLC there, watched a few streams, a few full streams of it, actually. Shout out to Private Jeebus in our Twitch chat, who did a full stream of it, and I hopped in there for a bit and kind of got caught up that way before jumping feet first right into The Last of Us Part 2. Cozy, what has been your experience with The Last of Us? So the original The Last of Us, I did not play when it first came out. For whatever reason, I I just the subject matter of the first game in the series didn't really appeal to me. And so I only ended up playing it when it came to the PlayStation 4 and only towards the end of 2014. 
Uh, and largely because I felt that like I needed to play it so that I could be part of the conversation. And I enjoyed it decently there. Uh, I came out being very appreciative of what Nadia I could create, but I wouldn't say that I absolutely loved it. Um, I would say that it was only until a couple of weeks ago that I would actually say that I came to really kind of love it. Um, basically, uh, in the lead up to The Last of Us Part 2's release, uh, Gamers, a YouTube channel I write for, decided to do a documentary on the history of the first game called The History of The Last of Us. And for the purpose of that documentary, Eiler, who edits our videos together, was like, hey, Alex, do you want to record footage of the PlayStation 3 version Alexa, of The Last of Us? Because it's easier for me to record footage of console games. Okay. And I said, sure. So I played through the entirety of the game again on the PlayStation 3, which I feel is kind of backwards from most people's experience with that game like i feel like most people they either played it on the playstation 3 first and then they played it on the playstation 4 or they just played the playstation 4 version like you don't hear about many people saying oh i played the playstation 4 version first and then i went back to the playstation 3 despite the you know lesser graphics and whatnot i honestly came to really really like the game i would say the second time around still not my favorite game of all time but i really think that naida created something special with that experience uh, oh, and I also played uh, the Left Behind DLC around the same time that I originally played the first game back in 2014. Uh, and then I also played it again for the making of the Gamers documentary. Right. Okay, so uh, very quickly, I will go through my own little history. So I, as a lot of people who might listen to this podcast know, that I've been uh, primarily an Xbox gamer for the first two uh, parts, for the first two generations of so the Xbox and then the Xbox 360. Um, for some reason, I, I think it was Uncharted 3. I really wanted to get a PlayStation 3. And so I got it uh, for Christmas in 2011. And it basically sat dormant except for Uncharted. And from there, it was like, oh, this Naughty Dog, because I was aware of at least like some developers, and Naughty Dog was kind of one of those on my radar. And so it's like, oh, Naughty Dog's releasing a new game. It's not Uncharted, though. And so I did pick up The Last of Us on release with the PS3, and it was the only, besides um, the Uncharted trilogy, it was the only other game I played on my PS3. And I fell in love with that franchise, or, like, I fell in love with those those characters. I thought it was such an amazing, amazing story being told. It was... The, the plot of the game was very kind of generic, but the story of the characters was what, you know, everyone got invested in. And that's why people, I think, fell in love with that, that franchise. And it wasn't until about uh, two years ago where I got the, where I got my PS4 Pro and I then finally got to replay through the game. And so I replayed through it once, uh, once two years ago and kind of re-fell in love with it because it had been over, like, over six years since I had played it. And then just before Last of Us Part Two had released, I played it once more, like within two days, I did it in like two sittings. But I also followed your advice, AJ, because I had never played Left Behind. And you talked about how I didn't know that Left Behind actually had like the, the cut-ins with Ellie yeah. trying to get the, the first aid kit for Joel. And so mm -hmm. I actually played through Left Behind like that, where I like stopped right at winter and then started playing that and then played through the rest of the game and it was such a it was a really enjoyable way to to experience that for the first time and i'm really glad that you kind of mentioned that you're welcome yeah i, I appreciate you very much oh thanks so i think the way that we're gonna kind of do this spoiler cast is instead of just kind of like 
talking kind of generally about the game and maybe getting into some like details about it and like going into like story details that are kind of sporadic all over uh we're gonna kind of do like a bit of a recap where we kind of recap some like the big like the bigger story moments of the game and then kind of talk through each sort of section of the game uh until we sort of reach the the end so to start it off the when the last of us part two um, I really want to just first mention, because this is something I think is super underappreciated in Naughty Dog games, or it's not underappreciated, but I just want to give praise to, are the title screens. Are, I guess the, in this game there is no title, but just like the boat on the dock is just super beautiful. I really loved yeah. it a lot. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about almond. it a bit at the end as well. Yeah, the way that it changes uh, by the end of the story. Um so yeah, so to st- to kick off this story of The Last of Us Part Two, uh, is Joel sitting, he's explaining basically the events of the very end of the game, of the first game, to Tommy, his brother, and he's got a guitar, and he's bringing it, he's cleaning it up for Ellie to bring it to Jackson. Um, I really want to... Uh, I just want to say, uh, by the way, the reason why our friend Alex here is doing the overview of the plot of the last of us part two because so you already played through the game twice and platinumed it correct yes yes so i, I am i am very impressed. qualified yeah i i very <laughs> much got i'm thanks man i uh very I much got consumed by this game when it came out and when i saw that the trophy list was very attainable as well i'm like fuck it i'm gonna just do it and i don't regret doing that even though the only thing i regret about it is that i can't is that after I finished it, it's just like now it's just I kind of I have no real reason to play it again for a little while, uh, and yeah. so now it's just like now it's just going to be this thing that kind of obsessively takes over my thoughts. But um, to to sort of start, um, Joel's bringing the guitar to Ellie, and we have the first guitar mini game, um, and you can kind of tell that there's a bit of a bit of a a strain on their relationship because of joel lying to ellie about what happened and even though she doesn't know what happened she knows that something is wrong so what did you guys think of like this intro because the intro to the game is actually relatively long cutscene where there's very little interactivity besides riding the horse and the guitar minigame which then the guitar minigame comes up later but what did you guys think of how this intro for part two is pretty different from the first game i i thought it was actually quite beautiful in in a way it had that very uh awkward like daughter doesn't know how to interact with her adoptive father and vice versa uh and they really nailed the the like emotions and everything like naughty dog's always been great with not only storytelling but specific but like they're they're currently trying to lead the charge it appears in terms of like facial animations and whatnot um they're 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 doing a fantastic job in that regard and um the guitar part uh threw me for a bit of a loop i didn't expect um i it wasn't until like i started watching videos after i finished the game that i realized oh no like the different sections of the touch pad are are mapped to the different strings that you can play right and then you, you go watch people playing like other like real songs on youtube just acoustically with 
Ellie's guitar in game. It's 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 actually super cool, super amazing, in my opinion. I mean, what's kind of surprising is that Naughty Dog actually found a pretty decent use of a touchpad this late into the PlayStation 4's life cycle. Like, you know, you saw a lot of games at the very beginning of the PlayStation 4 make creative-ish uses of it, like Infamous uh, Last Light or First Second Light or Sun, whatever. Yeah. Second, Sun's, Second Sun had the spray-painting stuff, for example, and then it kind of receded. And so it was a, a nice little touch to have the PlayStation 4's touchpad used in a pretty decently creative way right here. Yeah, this yeah. is probably my favorite use of the touchpad for sure. Yeah, the, on, the only thing I'd add to that is Naughty Dog really likes putting things like this in most in a lot of their games where they they're the small touches not everyone's going to discover, whether it's well-hidden collectibles, which we'll, we'll touch on, or something like this, where you can do the guitar sections just hitting the X button. You don't have to use the touchpad, and unless you're using the touchpad for that, you're going like, to get a different experience with the touchpad versus just using the buttons. So... It's really cool what not like the amount of detail and effort that goes into implementing some of these things that some people might not even see is kind of incredible. So, um, if Mitch, you didn't really give your sort of thoughts about the intro. Do you have just any sort of final words about it? Yeah, I I love the relationship between Joel and Tommy that's presented in the intro. The only person Joel has ever told about Boston is his brother. And I really appreciate it. I mean, other than Ellie figuring it out later in the game, which we'll get to. But I just, I appreciate... Uh, Utah? It was Utah? Oh, no, sorry. Uh, Salt Lake. Yeah, Salt Lake City. Yeah, Salt Lake. Salt Lake. Yeah, yeah the, the incident at the hospital. Like, Tommy is the only person that Joel has ever told what happened. And mm -hmm. just the, the growth we get between the two of them through this game. And you start to really understand why... Tommy takes the actions he does later in the game because they build the relationship so so well in a short amount of time at the beginning of this game, carrying over, of course, what happened in the first game. But I just I really appreciate their relationship throughout the entire experience. Yeah, I, I will say, and this is not like specifically a criticism of The Last of Us Part Two. This is just sort of like a thing in general in games. It is always weird when you see a flashback of a thing that you did in a previous game like specifically a flashback of something that was purely just gameplay and not just another flashback because mm -hmm. you know my distinctive memories of St. Mary's Hospital in Utah are very distinctive and to kind of see it all laid out cinematic like in the intro there, there is like that little bit of dissonance but like otherwise I agree uh, the intro of this game is great it hasn't gotten too bad just yet yeah no like the, differ the difference between I actually shot that doctor in the head uh, versus what the cutscene in The Last of Us 2 uh, shows, you know, yeah. That, you that actually, you ran into him five times, you sort of, like, went against a wall a little bit, Yeah, you he, he tried hitting him and he dodged. Yeah. Well, we'll get back to, to that surgeon in a little bit. But continuing on, we jump forward by four years to uh, to Jackson, and now Ellie is a full-grown adult. She is no longer 14, and she's waking up because she has to go on patrol. Jesse, who is one of the leaders of the patrols, is trying to get her up because apparently she she slept in because of a fight that happened that we apparently that at this point it was kind of weird that it's like we're going to talk about the structure and pacing of this game, but like we had people who had watched the E3 stuff, like E3 from 2018 the will trailers. know yeah, will know like what's 
what is happening, but it was really weird, like, how late into the game that that cutscene actually shows up. Yeah. I thought they were straight up not going to show the cutscene at all. I thought that was just going to be an E3 thing. Yeah, like, when they, like, basically just referenced it for so long that I was thinking, like, yeah, like, I guess it's just, I guess you're just supposed to kind of know from the E3 stuff that, like, oh, this there, is... I mean, if that was the case, there there's enough context in there that you can kind of piece together what happened. Yeah. Like, as you go through this opening sequence. But... Yeah. But regardless, you know. regardless, this is this is the opportunity where you get to kind of look at Jackson. You get to see it's like, oh, people like there are places where people are starting to live normally again, like as normal as you can get in the in the fungus apocalypse that The Last of Us <laughs> takes place in. But like Jackson is relatively like it looks like they have shops. They have like a like a, a whole system of like of currency it seems like of like you get to trade stuff um and yeah it's it's relatively peaceful you also get your first introduction to uh some of the combat mechanics at least like with the with the snowball fight um and then from there you and dina you and this new character dina who um you had the like who they referenced that you've had the kiss with uh you guys go on patrol and from there we get introduced to another new character who we don't know who she is yet. Um, we, we, I don't remember exactly how long it is until we learn her name, but we see this new group of, new group of people, and her and one other person um, go out and they find Jackson, and they specifically say that they, that's where he is. And so there's like a lot of, there's a lot of sort of foreshadowing of like, oh, they're looking for someone. You yeah. can kind of guess who that's probably going to be. Um, I, at this point I in the know game, I did, at least at that point. I don't know yeah, about the rest of y'all. Yeah, my, my suspicions were very clear at that point. But um, um, I will say about that one sequence, uh, be, at the, I thought, okay, we're talking around it, but it's Abby and Owen. Um, we don't have to talk, about, and, talk around things at this point. It's a spoiler cast. Yeah, I, know. I thought... I, I I absolutely thought that Owen, it, like in that moment, I'm not sure why, I thought Owen was going to be the the top bad guy, and huh. he was like calling Abby out of the cabin so he could go like push her off a cliff or something like that. Like, what? He he creeped me the fuck out, and I didn't like there was there's something because he was acting so weird because uh due to the secret he was holding uh regarding Mel that he was he revealed to abby uh shortly thereafter i i was getting weird vibes off him he he made me uncomfortable see i i had a sense when we got to that scene that oh they're putting us in the shoes of the antagonist here to try to do some weird things around subverting our expectations when they actually do in a little bit end up running into joel and tommy where i'm just like oh i'm, I'm getting a bad vibe from the entire group not anyone specifically but figuring that whoever we're playing as is going to end up being the big bad in this game. I have something to reveal, but I'll wait a little bit more into the plot to reveal it. Oh, okay. It. So continuing forward, we're kind of, we're switching sort of back and forth between Ellie and Abby at this point. It's like, it's like the master chief versus the arbiter a little bit. Um, <laughs> yep. But yeah, we're switching. You had to bring halo into it. God damn it. Wasn't me. Sony it wasn't cast. me. It wasn't I, even me. I, I mean, wouldn't a more appropriate comparison be master chief and John Locke or That's what I was going to say. That guy's name was no, because it, we don't, honestly, ref we don't, we don't reference that game. Continuing on. We're switching back and forth between Abby and Ellie. 
uh, Ellie and Dina are going on patrol. They reach a outpost, or they have to hide in the, from the storm uh, that that has approached, uh, and they find a weed a weed den. Shout out uh, to Eugene, from, man. Yeah, <laughs> a from weed one of den. just a Eugene's the homie. Yeah, from one of the one of the people who Tommy used to run with with the, during the Firefly days, and he passed away, and he also had a shitload of dead weed. But he also had some good <laughs> oh, weed. Yeah. He also had some good weed, and they decide to smoke up and also have uh, some intimate time. And let me just tell you, this is... I gotta give Naughty Dog props, because when two video game characters kiss, they look like G.I. Joe's being rubbed together. These characters did not look like that. I don't. Yeah. I can't think of many like animated video game kisses that don't look horrendous. Uncharted, but, maybe like Uncharted Four, maybe. But besides that, like I can't really think of very many others. And so Naughty Dog's facial animations continue to just impress. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this up something else the- here. I'm gonna bring something else up right here because I think it fits relatively well. Later mm-hmm. in the game, Ellie. Uh, takes her shirt off so Dina can help her with some, you know, wound she's succumbed to in combat or whatever. I have never seen a video game character take off their shirt, and I've never seen a video game character look like a normal-ass human being taking off a shirt. Like, whatever yeah, Naughty Dog has done with their animations is just... It's it's yeah. it's amazing. You saw, it's incredible. You, you saw characters take off shirts before an Uncharted 4. That was the first game where they showed off how impressively they could take off shirts and then they applied that technology to this game yeah i just it, it, it stood out a lot more here than i remember it from uncharted charted for that's the only thing yeah i don't even remember what the scene was but continuing so yeah. abby has abandoned owen at this point because owen is kind of getting freaked out by the size of jackson and so abby's like fuck it i'll do it myself uh whatever she's going for at this point we'll like, do it live yeah it's like <laughs> like Bill i'm O'Reilly. just i'm kind of the reason why i'm stepping around this in the explaining of this is because like i want to sort of capture what the headspace was as i was going through the game and playing it because at this point we didn't know who she was we didn't know exactly what she was looking for we could assume but we didn't know specifically and so i'm trying to sort of recapture that headspace um so uh so abby's kind of going through and she's starting to get overwhelmed with infected they're just kind of everywhere in the mountains um apparently the cold doesn't exactly kill them it makes them like but she's getting overwhelmed. She's getting caught between a fence, and then somebody puts a bullet in between uh, an infected that's on top of her, and it turns out that it's Joel. We we Joel is alive and well. And nice old friendly Joel. The, yeah. the, the always the looking out. He's, yep. He's a good yeah, I mean, guy. Yeah. People he, really like him in the community. There's a lot yeah. of flowers in the subsequent scene that we're gonna get to. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> people apparently really like him on Twitter as well. But um, depends on where <laughs> you're looking on oh, Twitter. Oh yeah. I mean, anyway. Okay. But uh, continuing on, uh, Abby, Joel, and Tommy are now running because they are being overwhelmed, and they reach the ski resort. They lock it in, and they are about to be overwhelmed when Abby suggests go over to this place. I can't remember exactly where it is. It's like a mansion. It's like yeah, my, it's a mansion lodge. Yeah, yeah it's like Whatever, a lodge. Yeah. My friend, my friends are located there. We can go there and hold up. And, and Joel and Tommy in the moment are like, yeah, that could work because they don't really have a lot of options because they're and being they're overwhelmed. And fam- they're familiar enough with the area to know that that place is relatively secure. Yeah, and at this point, yeah. it's like Joel has, you know, saved Abby. And so it's like, at this point, they don't have a lot of options. So they're kind of like, 
and they know that they can't get back to Jackson because their horses are going to die because of the storm. The reason I'm going so much into this is because this is one of the... I don't want to talk about this part about it too much, about the whole controversies about the game, but one of the biggest things that I've seen is people being like, Joel would never have trusted Abby during that part, but it's like, well, their backs were literally against the wall because they're about to be overwhelmed by infected. So, like, I don't want to well, talk not, too not... much about, like, the water cooler talk on Twitter, but is that something people are really... Yes, like, I've, yeah. heard, I've heard that oh. being complained a whole lot, and really All yeah right. i mean the, the, the other thing too to like we're at a point where joel has been in jackson for years he's kind of desensitized it like he's not the same joel we had at the hospital point mm-hmm. blank right like he's yeah. had year he's had years to live with that guilt and to grow as a human being and probably has become more trustworthy trusting and probably a little to his detriment as we'll see in a minute uh, of other human beings. Well, I was going to say, the thing about Joe also is, I mean, he's just looking for any young, possibly pre-teenage uh, daughter that he can find his hands on. So he sees someone like Abby, and he's like, you're a little bit old, but if you can become my another one of my daughters, that's perfectly fine by me. No. Okay, moving on. <laughs> I was going right. to... I was going to say right. that was the whole reason why, why him and Tommy were up there was to, one, find, like, one, help out any people who are passing through. That's part of their, their job. And also to clear out infected. Yeah. Moving on. Like, like they, they're trying to yeah. grow Jackson, right? And that's part of bringing yeah. people into yeah, the Yeah, of course. Yeah. So moving on, uh, Tommy, Tommy, Joel, and Abby make it to the lodge. They manage to clear out the infected. At this point, we switch back to Ellie and Dina, uh, Jesse finds them because Joel and Tommy haven't reported and and uh, they're like we don't know where they are and so the three of them split up to try and find Joel and Joel and Tommy and so uh, then switching back to Joel and Joel Tommy and Abby I'm trying to do this in the way the game presents it okay you um, do it however you want if you want to speed things up go for it <laughs> I'll, I'll try but this next part's really important it's, yes, it's kind of really important. So, yeah. so Joel, Tommy, and Abby get to the get to the lodge, and they start cleaning out the horses. And they're like, they're like, hey, we should, um, you guys should come back to Jackson. Like, you guys are really cool. Uh, this is Tommy, or I'm Tommy. That's my brother Joel. And then every, it's so like the way everybody just turns and looks at literally, him. Literally, it was such a eerie moment of everybody stares at Joel, and then he go. Then the, I love the line. You're acting like you've heard of us or something. And You're then acting Abby, like you heard of me or something, yeah. Yeah. And then Abby with a shotgun says it's because they have and takes out his kneecaps. And this is the point where where we find out what their true motives were. And from there, I just want to, like, this whole scene of Joel being killed by Abby, it genuinely made me feel super uncomfortable through the yep. entire thing. It was, yeah. And I know that it that was, was that effective. was the it was very effective. Yes, that was the point as well. Is because you were supposed to be in the same headspace as Ellie when she happens upon it and then sees Abby kill Joel. And so I want to talk about this scene because this scene is super important because it basically kicks off the entire plot of the game. So what did you guys uh, think of the scene? Okay, so I said earlier on that I would have something to reveal. Oh, no. uh, here we go. This is twist number one of the evening. Uh, I've actually spoiled myself to all the pre-release spoilers of The Last of Us Part Two, and I knew that oh, this was going to happen. Okay. So and I, I do want to say... So I, I do realize I need to kind of explain myself here a little bit. Um, the thing is, is that in the lead-up to The Last of Us Part Two's release... 
I did not think I was going to play The Last of Us Part Two at launch. In the same way that I just wasn't really into The Last of Us Part 1 when it first came out, I really wasn't super looking forward to The Last of Us Part 2. I knew that I would get to it at some point because, again, like with the first game, I knew that I would have to be part of the conversation at some point. Uh, but I did not feel particularly obliged to pick it up right away. It was only when our internal discussions of having a spoiler cast came up that I realized oh, I should probably play this as soon as possible. But by that point, I had already spoiled myself. So I knew that this moment was going to happen. And I have to say, I really appreciate, one, uh, as Alex Palin said, how effective they were at making this scene feel tense and uncomfortable. I think it is a masterfully done scene. And two, despite having spoiled myself to the fact that it was going to happen, I did not expect it to happen this early on. And I really do want to give Naughty Dog props for that. Because if the entire game had been you, well, not the entire game, but like if a good half of the game had been you following Joel around or Joel following you around and you've been like, oh, I know this guy is going to die. I know this guy's going to die. I know he's going to get golf clubbed in the head. It would have been such a stressful and frustrating experience. And so them getting it out of the way this early on, I'm like, cool. This is literally like the best outcome for me spoiling myself to what happened. The, um, the only quote unquote spoilers or anything that I saw were the actual trailers themselves. I managed to avoid all of the 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 leaks and stuff like that. And I will say the um, you know you, the 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 scene with there with Ellie uh, screaming no please don't on the on the as they hold her down as she watches um, was actually in one that particular moment yeah. was in one of the trailers um, and you know we had no idea who it was going to be right yeah. but it wasn't for me it wasn't until i saw that her, that look on her face there that i was like oh god they're going to do it right here and it's going to be joel and yeah it it fucking it hurt i was just gonna say going into this game i had seen all of one trailer the only trailer i'd seen of the last of us part two was the e3 2018 trailer the weird e3 mm -hmm. where was they like the herded people into different rooms and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah. And from that, I knew I was sold. I knew I was going to play this game. At that point, I went, you know, total media blackout. I got to the point when I heard that there were spoilers of putting all of the block terms into Twitter and that whole jam. So I, like I said earlier, I, I, I got to this scene already expecting that Abby was going to be the big bad of the entire game because of Naughty Dog putting us in her shoes earlier with the jumping back and forth between her and Ellie. And... The scene 100% confirmed my expectations with that, at least at the time. And I just, like, even just looking back at comparing this to the deed that Joel did in the first game, it's like, she went above and beyond anything we've seen anyone do to another human being in this game. It was cruel, it was violent, it was brutal, because you knew Ellie needed a real reason to do what she does in the rest of the game. And... I appreciated it, even though, like you guys were saying, it is such an uncomfortable moment. Yeah, the main, like, the main theme that they were talking about was, like, uh, like the this game is about revenge. It's about revenge. And so they had to, they wanted to make the player and the main character be on the same page of, like, no, I'm going to fucking kill that bitch. And I think they succeeded relatively well. The only thing, like, you guys are all absolutely right. The only thing I'm going to sort of add on to this is I just want to give a huge praise to the soundtrack every time that there's one of the especially during that moment in particular i've watched that cutscene twice now because i am playing it through both times and the the 
looming just dread. I, I don't know how to exactly describe the soundtrack in that moment, but it's just, it's so, it puts you on edge and really does, like, it makes the back of your, like, the hairs on the back of your neck stand up and just, you're just kind of tense through the whole thing. I was, like, hardly breathing through it because it was just, and I think so much of that came from just the entire sound design of that scene. And so mm-hmm. I think it was just expertly well done for, for what they were achieving or what they were aiming for. From there, um, uh, Ellie says, I'm going to fucking kill you. Uh, and they knock her out and Tommy are they, both Tommy and her are knocked out and Dina and Jesse find them. They bring them back to Jackson and we skip forward a little bit to Joel's funeral um our joel's gravestone go ahead quick second you miss an important detail which is this is the first scene in the game where uh tommy is seemingly killed but somehow manages to come back to life in the next scene he only got his face bashed in i didn't think he was dead there neither did i at at that point yeah like i knew he was i knew he wasn't dead like if at this point they had already established that it's like if they're gonna kill someone they're gonna fucking kill someone like you're gonna you're gonna kind of know um (sighs) Well, it does get a little bit vague later, but at I, it's least... not like a it's not like a huge issue with me. It's just a funny aspect of the game. Fair sure. enough. Okay, okay. Um, so continuing on, we see Joel's gravestone. Ellie is standing by it, and her and Dina go to Joel's house, and we get to see how Joel has been kind of living through these past four years. He makes wooden sculptures. He's got a shitload of guitars. Like he looks like he's living a really nice life. He's got pictures that Ellie has drawn for him like just framed and it just it looks like he's living like a pretty nice life by himself um that moment when she grabs his jacket out of the closet and just holds it oh like you want to talk about something killing you that's just like oh man yeah and so she goes she uh ellie needs to get something from joel's room she gets his watch and his gun uh which i believe should be i believe uh it is this it is the same gun that he had back in Texas, uh, back at the beginning of the first game. And so yep. she is she's taking that because she is going to go after them. Um, oh, um, we do know that or there was a scene where Tommy goes to talk to... This is important. Tommy goes to talk to Ellie um, and be like, are you okay? Please don't go after them. We don't know how, how armed they are, how many people they have. And he's like, give me a day to talk to Maria about, about doing this. And we find out that Tommy has actually left. He's gone to go do it by himself and trying to trying to get Maria to stop Ellie from doing it because he knows what this path will involve and he doesn't want Ellie to be a part of it. Uh, Ellie, that, though Maria and Ellie both say fuck that and they go after him. Both Ellie and Dina get a horse and they get to go after them. And so starting to, to me, sorry, mm-hmm. to me here, this isn't no, Maria yeah, letting, ahead. it's not Maria letting her go, it's... Maria's reluctant to let her go. Like, she doesn't want her to go either, but she knows that the only way to get Tommy back alive is if he has backup. And see, knows I took, she's not going to be able to stop Ellie anyway. That's what so I should rather as, see right? her go out with, you know, some morsel of resources. That's, that's how I saw it is, like, she knows she's not going to... Like, Ellie is going to go one way or another. And so it's like, yeah, might as well, like, give her the best case scenario. I, sure. I don't even know if it's as much like yes she does say the line of please bring my idiot husband back but I don't know if it's as if that was as much of a like it probably was but I feel like it was more just a you're gonna go like yeah so from there we get to Seattle day one 
We're going to hear that a couple of times. And from here, this <laughs> is uh, they get to the gate of, Se- of the Seattle uh, quarantine zone, and they have to get in. Ellie and Dina figure out how to get in. And here we get the open world section of the game. Uh, Uncharted Lost Legacy, this is what that was created for to test. You can yeah you can see the influence that had on it there was a there was a lot of yeah there was a lot of sort of sharing back and forth with this i um there's not too much story going on in this section it's more they just have to find gas to open up a gate but i thought that this was like a really interesting gameplay section that i wanted to talk about the only time it happens um i'm i'm surprised that they released an entire game based around this uh slight like this real small open world like mechanic i'll call it um, and this is the only spot that they chose to use it in the game. I was, yeah, yeah I was fully yeah. expecting a second open world section like this at some I point. I mean, they did a very similar thing in Uncharted 4, right? Where that game had the Madagascar level, which is, I would say, pretty similar. It was pretty linear, though, compared to, compared to sure. Lost Legacy and, um, and sure. Last of Us Part 2. Still, like, I, I feel like the point still stands, so, like, both games are kind of punctuated by this one level that is somewhat non-linear and then yeah they kind of just go back to linearity which mm-hmm. n- not to say that one type of gameplay is superior to the other but it, yeah would have been cool to have another section like this yeah uh, i really like this section for like a lot of the the locations you get to go to when you get to go to the bank and you get the story of the bank robbers who are gonna gonna rob the bank on uh, outbreak day like i just thought that that was some really great environmental storytelling plus that's where you get the shotgun like there's some really really and, cool and stuff that's Drake's happened. ring, right? Yes. Yeah, and Drake's ring. Yeah. Yeah. So mm. we we can confirm Drake did not survive outbreak day. That's not necessarily <laughs> true. Did he? His, his ring was sound, found in a safety deposit box. It just doesn't mean it might he mean probably that ended up there at some point. I was going to say like did, the last time that we saw Drake's ring didn't it fall to the bottom of the sea of sand in uncharted 3? You're right. Yes. Okay, so, so Drake could somebody be still else alive. found it exactly. Okay, um, okay. So if we don't have any have much more to say here, we can continue sort of moving on. Uh, Ellie and Dean are looking for Tommy. They get to the hotel on the other side of that gate, and they find a body of one of the people who was in, who was by Jackson, and we see the same technique that Joel did in the winter section of the first game of the you tell me where you tell me where this is. And if, and if he tells me a different thing, then you're in trouble. And we see that Tommy has implemented that strategy. Clearly, they both came up with it together. It adds a little bit of character to, to sort of what Joel and Tommy were sort of doing before the events of the, the first game. Um, yeah. yeah, and so now they've got, a, they've got a little bit of a lead on where Tommy's going. They're riding, and then the horse blows up. That part Ugh. was that was that genuinely i don't get jump scared very often that was the first one for sure yeah that's a very that was a very like you expect with the last of us the jump scares to be uh clickers or some shit but nope no it's just a a a trap set up to blow up a horse jumping over a barrier or Mm -hmm. like in in general you expect that like a really climactic event to happen the moment a cutscene starts and so i thought that it was it was cool how they masked that something climactic was about to happen in that Mm -hmm. regard yeah I thought that dog, or not the dog, I thought the horse was going to die in like this, because like, I had a feeling the horse was not going to be through the whole game, but just the way that they did it was so quick, brutal, and really fit the MO of the rest of the rest of the game. 
Um, so from there, Ellie gets captured, and we see another person who was in who was in Jackson. I can't remember his name. I don't remember most of their names. Jesse. Besides, like the important ones. Oh, no, it's too early Jesse. For Jesse. Was it Jordan? It's one of them. It starts with a J, I think. Uh, regardless, he's he's like, holy shit, you came after us. Um, why'd you do that? Like, he's like kind of intimidating, or or um, like he's talking to her, and from there, Dina actually saves Ellie by standing on a glass panel and getting shot uh, at and having the glass fall from underneath and she falls um, but then Ellie can break free and kill him and from there they have to escape the I think they're in the TV station no they're not in the TV station no they're yet. going to the TV station yes so they so they know they know where their next lead is because Ellie finds a thing they go through there's a extended combat section and from there they find yeah there is mm-hmm yeah, there's there's an extended combat section, and then there's uh, then I believe they go, I think they go underground from there, and then they get to the no underground's later. Um, so I won't go through all of the combat sections because there's a lot in this game because this game is very long. But they reach the TV station and they find people who are hanging. They find these like fucked up. Um, these fucked up executions going on, and the WLF also finds them. Uh, from there, they they have to escape the TV station. Uh, they don't know what's going on, um, and from there, they go underground to try to escape, and we get a prolonged uh, infected fight, and from there, we get to the movie theater, which is kind of the hub, because Dina is not feeling well. She's kind of really get she's starting to slow them both down. They reach- you you kind of saw you kind of saw in the open world section like there was a spot like under a bridge yeah. where like she she reacted adversely to some dead bodies that she hasn't really do, uh, done before. Yeah, so. she's like she she gets super nauseous and throws up, and so we yeah. know that there's something wrong with with Dina. Um, oh, also from there, Dina also learns that Ellie is immune from there because ellie's mask breaks um so that's just that's an important detail to their like relationship that they they find out and so from there they get to the movie theater dina reveals that ellie to ellie that she is probably pregnant and from there that's ellie like turns on the power in the movie theater and from there that's kind of the end of day one and Mm -hmm. what do so what did what are what are we th- what are our thoughts at this point in the game so far? Before we continue into day two, it's a real long day. I'll say that much. Yeah, yeah. This one, this this day kind of felt uh, like. Uh, they... for, for the record, uh, I, I did quite enjoy day one a bit. Uh, my next twist of this episode is coming up on day two. Uh, Great. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, guys. Oh boy. Uh, but yeah. Overall, this episode, uh, sorry, this day had a lot going on in it, a lot of different gameplay segments, a lot of puzzles to solve, a lot of enemies to kill. Overall, though, enjoyed it. Yes. Yeah, I I love the introduction of the, like, rope mechanics with the cords and everything, and playing around with the physics of that was fun. Uh, And I like Mm -hmm. a lot of the personalization, or, like, the the environmental storytelling we get throughout this day, and it just sets up a great game. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same way. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoyed discovering everything around this area. Um, the um, You get your first, like, proper real taste of uh, combat in it. Um, and, you know, I mentioned on the, the main podcast, you know, kind of my thoughts on, on that in general. I think I've softened up on those uh, 
prior thoughts um, a little bit, but you know, I still, I still maintain that I didn't. I I don't think my playthrough was it. I don't I don't think throughout my entire the entire playthrough I was presented with some of the opportunities other people were describing when it came to survivability. I I, I typically felt like I had to shoot my way through everything by the end of it. Um. Very quickly, I just there. I didn't bring it up exactly, but I really the the music store has one of the greatest moments I think in this entire franchise. Take and on I, me, yeah, the take on me section, um, mm-hmm. which I I really think is like one and it, of the. It's apparently completely missable too. Yes, you can you is, can yeah. miss that moment. Yeah. So don't miss that moment. Yeah, it really is worth doing everything you can in the open world because I think Ellie even makes a remark when you kind of complete everything. It's like I looks like we've been to everywhere that we can. So you know when you've sort of found everything. Mm-hmm. There have been more than a few like articles and tweets uh, and whatnots on social media of people being like, hey, I bought a guitar because of the main characters of The Last of Us Part Two, including friend of the show, Tane Nixter. And I think that's uh, really impressive. And I think that probably might not have happened were it not for this sequence. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it really helped sell the appeal of the guitars. Mm-hmm. Okay, so continuing forward to day two. I'm going to try to do this a little bit faster. Day two, uh, Ellie is going out to look for Tommy. People have been fucking with the WLF, and they find uh, she's going through. She finds a whole lot of them. She starts running away from them at a certain point. There's a bunch of prolonged uh, combat encounters. You get to really practice the stealth. And then from there, she gets grabbed by someone as she's trying to run away, and it turns out that it's Jesse. Jesse, uh, where this is where one of those fake outs happened that they did with um, one of the trailers where mm-hmm. we thought that this was going to be Joel at a point, and it turns out that they literally changed the character model for the trailer, which I thought was a really. I like that Naughty Dog did that. I like that it kind of sub- subverted my expectations about what was going to happen because I usually use trailers a lot to sort of figure out what's going to be like, oh, well, this hasn't happened yet, so. Um, then I know sort of how, like, what's still to come. I really like that Naughty Dog did that. It put me on my toes. Uh, so from there, there's a big chase between Jesse, uh, Jesse and Ellie. Like, they have to get away. They go into the river. From there, they go back to the movie theater, and uh, they find out uh, Dina has been listening to the radio frequencies, and they found out that Nora is in the hospital. And so from there, Jesse is too injured to go with Ellie, so Ellie decides to go on her own to the hospital. And the hospital, uh, when she finally... If, if there's ever a point where you guys want to interject about something that's happened, please feel free. But I'm just going to kind of continue until you guys kind of yeah, stop sure. me. Uh, just I, I like there's... this... I, I want to say I like this format so far where like you go through... Uh, an arc of the game and then we kind of offer our thoughts yeah so so i'll probably go to the end of day two and then we can continue from there so so ellie has to go to the hospital um there's a there's some prolonged there's some infected encounters there's some there's some wlf encounters she finally reaches the hospital she's sneaking around and then she finds nora and she holds up nora and she's like and she's trying to find Abby. She's specifically interrogating her about Abby because that's who the final target is, after all. And so from there, um, Nora get, finds a way to escape. First, she says, uh, I can still hear his screams. He screamed like a little bitch. So you're just, like, in reference to Joel. So you kind of are like, all right, I want to fucking kill this. I want to kill this person now. And uh, so you chase her through. She falls. Or there's a point where you have to hold her up, or, um, and you both fall into a spore-infected part of the hospital. And 
Nora continues to run. Uh, Ellie finally catches up to her and has Nora basically against the wall. Nora is dying because she has ingested a shitload of spores. And finally, uh, Ellie is like, you will tell me where Abby is because I can make this quick for you. And Nora's like, I'm dying anyway. You can't get me to talk. And Ellie's like, are you sure about that? And so from there, they you get the option to press X to beat Nora with the pipe. And from there, it cuts. And we can only assume what happens next as Ellie returns to the movie theater. Her hands are literally shaking. We can assume that she has done really terrible things to Nora. And just like, and she's then talking to Dina. This is where the shirt coming off that you had mentioned earlier, Mitch, happens. Uh, just showing off their uh, amazing uh, cloth physics. And from there, that's kind of the end of day two. So... I want to start off by doubling back to the whole uh, change around Joel's character model thing that we mm-hmm. touched on earlier. Uh, I don't have an issue with this specific instance of it. Uh, I thought that it was fine because Naughty Dog wanted to, you know, keep the reveal of Joel's death a secret. And I think that's okay in this instance. My issue with this is it's kind of it's kind of like the discussion that we had on Press YYZ proper a short while ago of, you know, one company will go and raise the prices of their games for legitimate reasons and then maybe we might see other uh, companies raising the price of their games for unfair reasons. Like you are slowly seeing this trend in Hollywood and in now in video games of companies being not super genuine uh, in their trailers of what's going to happen in their games or movies. The the most notable example of movies being like the Avengers Infinity War and Endgame trailers. And it's like, I think in both these instances, it was fine. It was justified. I'm, there's just a small part of me that's concerned that we're going to see this become more and more of a trend and more and more companies are going to start using it in ways that aren't totally fair or are kind of more egregious. What In what way do you feel like they could be unfair or egregious? At least looking at the Avengers example or the... I mean, I didn't see a lot of the marketing for Last of Us Part Two, as I mentioned earlier, but I actually appreciate if a company... I mean, maybe the game takes another week or two to come out, but... It, it, them taking the time to properly market like it marketing for a video game is very difficult because if you get to a point let's say 90 percent of the marketing material for the last of us part two did not include joel immediately people can be like oh joel's dead in the first 10 minutes of the game so i i actually like the idea of them subverting your expectations by making the changes they did to the media that they put out and same with the the Marvel way of doing things of don't show off shit in your trailers. It's like marketing rule 101. If you like if oh you God. don't feel like you need to spoil things in your trailer, don't spoil things in your trailer. Yeah, the fucking Terminator 2 back in the day when that originally came out got spoiled in the movie theaters. Like literally every Terminator movie shows the the twist in the in the trailer. In the trailer. Yeah. Like and I'm actually glad yeah, we're moving and, away from that myself. So back to my question yeah. cozy like in what way could you see this as being like malicious in the future? Cause I mean, I, th- I think it's a good thing. And again, I'm not like actually that concerned. Like I'm okay. not like quivering in my boots at this future. It's just the, the one example that comes to mind is, do you remember the theatrical trailer for the third predator movie? Predators. Uh, uh, yeah, that's it. Okay. There's like a, a brief snippet in that trailer where the back of one of the characters is shown and like a dozen of the terminators, like, lights appear on him indicating that there's like a hundred terminators in the movie and then in the actual movie there's only like three predators basically and like i can sort of see 
like a feature where video game companies will like use put in things in their trailers to kind of make it seem like their movies are going to be more hype or more ambitious than they actually are that's just like what was sort of coming to mind again don't think that it is actually that like prevalent of a threat that this industry faces. that's just an example that came to mind yeah it, it's probably more of like uh maybe the plot changed a little bit and they maybe for that first trailer they had planned for it to be a big spect- spectacle but in actually developing the script or making the movie they realized it made more sense for it to be a little more toned down so i mean each example is going to be unique in that sense but ultimately i think the idea of keeping your like serious plot points as well hidden as you can by making small changes like this can only be seen as a good thing going forward for me personally i know not everyone's going to share that opinion so justin 15 in the chat just wrote cozy you're crazy are you ready for me to go even crazier on this podcast oh god damn it all right so i feel like in the lead up to the spoiler cast we all kind of knew what each other felt about this game except i feel like you guys didn't really have that good of a sense of what i felt about i had an idea all right so here's the thing overall overall i think that the last of us part two is nothing less than a great game yeah but i would agree with you there i do think that the last of us part two is in a way it's generation's final fantasy 13 I don't know anything about Final Fantasy Yeah, you're going to have to explain that. Okay. All right, everybody. Buckle up. It's time for Alexander Kazina. I was going to say, we're an hour (laughs) into this podcast, and now Cozy's going to rant for the next 45 minutes. All right, I'm ready. Uh, Go. All right. Let's talk about Final Fantasy XIII. The super bridge plot of Final Fantasy XIII is that all the humans of the world are living in this utopic society called Cocoon, which is located above the planet, Cocoon is governed by these godlike beings that provide for humans every needs, but it's secretly revealed over the course of the game that basically the gods are secretly leading the humans along along a string, emphasis on the word string, as part of some sort of evil diabolical plan to eventually harvest their souls and rule the world or whatever. Sure. Um, the thing about Final Fantasy XIII is, and this is something I want to point out, not like an analysis of the game that I came up with, this is something that other people have come up with in the past, is that it would seem as if the first half of Final Fantasy XIII is really trying to drive home this idea that these godlike beings are leading humans along on a string by making the actual structure of the game conversely very string-like or very linear. The reason why the opening section of Final Fantasy XIII is so linear is because they're trying to kind of drive home this idea of like humans basically being kind of corralled along this straight path towards their eventual doom. The problem with Final Fantasy XIII, though, is that it goes way too hard into that metaphor, and it features such a long, long, long extended portion of this game that is linear that ultimately that metaphor was lost on most people, and most people just complained on the other side of it that uh, that was just overly linear. They didn't get whatever deeper meaning they were going for. However, once you exited the linear portion of the game, you got to a section of the game that was very open-ended and a lot more enjoyable, and in many ways made up for a lot of the earlier linear section of the game. I feel like The Last of Us Part Two is very similar in that during the first half of the game, the game is very dark and brooding, and you see Ellie engage in a number of gruesome and many people would argue unforgivable acts and all this violence serves a purpose it's meant to 
kind of show the depths to which Ellie has sunk. It's meant to make you more sympathetic towards Abby's cause when you eventually switch over to her and you realize that from her perspective, Ellie was the villain of her story. For me personally, though, I just felt like they went a little bit too hard in what they were trying to do with Ellie to the point that I felt like that message that they were trying to impart kind of got lost a little bit in the shuffle. I think that I the, this message that they were kind of com trying to communicate that Ellie's depravity, how she's secretly the villain of Abby's story, I feel like they kind of, that message became a little bit too clear too quickly. And once it became too clear too quickly, I felt like so many of the combat encounters which happened on CL days two and three just felt excessive and unnecessary. And I don't feel like the game would have been any worse off if we had had any less of those combat encounters. At the end of the day though, once we switch over to Abby, and especially once we got to Abby day two, I thought the game was almost perfect. There are a few little small little issues here and there that I, you know, did not totally jibe with. But for the most part, I thought that the game totally made up for whatever grievances I had in its first half, much in the same way that I feel like the open world sections of Final Fantasy XIII towards its latter half make up for the overly linear sections of its first half. So, Cozy, your team, Abby. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's what I figure. Okay. Uh, right. I mean, I, I appreciate that perspective. Uh, I don't think you're wrong, to be honest. I think there's a lot of excess in the Ellie portions of the game. Um, but not knowing what's going to come in the latter half of the game, at least for me personally, I felt like she was still working towards the same goal of avenging Joel. And all. I, I, at that moment, I still felt like she was justified in what she was doing, even though at times it did become a little excessive. Because it, like Alex said, it's a story of revenge, and all of these people were complicit in what Abby did because they were all in the room when it happened. When it came to yeah. the the Joel situation in the first game, there were two or three people in the room, and he knew that the doctors were all complicit in trying to murder Ellie to save the world, and that whole thing of the morality of keeping her safe versus a potential cure is one that he lived with until the day he died, but. Ultimately, Ellie is just a sad, scared teenager still because you mature in a world like this, you're going to be pretty fucked up. And she does some yeah. pretty fucked up things. Yeah, like, I, I think it's, like, the... With, like, I just... It was super hard, um, I guess... I feel like I'll, I'll get to this later because yeah. it's going to jump ahead a little bit to the when we get to the Abby conversation. I'm just seeing Jeebus in the chat and I'm like, oh, but I have I kind of have a I kind of have like a thing to add on to it. But we I'll will. kind of we um, will. don't worry. Yeah, we'll get to that. I want to go back a little bit just because I did kind of skip over a little bit because I forgot at the end of each day there is a flashback with each character. And so I very quickly want to touch on flashbacks for day one and day two. The day one one is one of the is another moment that's one of the best moments in the entire series. It is when Joel, for Ellie's birthday, takes her to a museum, and oh my god, this it, this whole section was so great because it was just these two characters walking around a museum. It's all of the things Ellie likes, which are dinosaurs and space, and there's this. just so much character interaction during these two during this moment between these two this. that I absolutely loved it. This was the giraffe moment. It was, 100%. Yeah. In yeah. this game. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. It just, it made, it made my heart feel so nice, but then also really sad when you, it's like, you realize it's like, oh, he's not, he's not here for her anymore. Um, yeah. 
it made like this was one of those moments that helped though it's like you have that sort of duality with joel it's like he's he's kind of a terrible like he's done terrible things i won't say he's a terrible person because this is kind of the world that he's been subjected to but he's also still a like when it comes to the people he cares about he's still just like he's a really sweet person when the world doesn't force him not to be and so it like it really helps sort of like put this duality on him that i think the first game did a like kind of touched on a little bit with the sarah stuff and like some of the conversations he has with ellie but i think this game really really goes in depth with that and really kind of shows like the other side of joel that we didn't get to really see as much so um a very and then the second uh flashback is uh ellie and tommy are on patrol she gets to use his gun and then he basically like makes her and joel go off to and like they're like oh let's get some strings for your your guitar because there's a music store they go into a hotel they have to fight a um they have to fight bloater. a bloater or no it was a yeah it was a bloater, it was a bloater. i forgot there's yeah. the shamblers um that are the other ones but yeah they fight a bloater uh joel basically kills it with a machete which was a really really badass moment for joel um then they find two people who ran away from ran away from jackson to like cu- like a couple uh, and they were dead uh, and they were like kind of, they wrote a letter like being like sorry to our families uh, and then from there, Ellie is like, what happened in that hospital? Like, you have to tell me. And he's like, just, he, he is like, no, I'm not going to. Like, the, you, you know what I've told you. Uh, and from there, they kind of have a disagreement. And so now we can continue on with day three. Day three, uh, they figure out, um, they, they figure out where Tommy is. He's heading to the, the marina. So Ellie and Jesse go s- head towards that direction. They find a boat. They know where Abby is, and they know where Tommy is. And so Jesse goes to where Tommy is, and Ellie is continuing on her revenge, uh, her revenge pursuit. And she goes towards the aquarium. Uh, this is where you get the boat section. I was assuming this was going to be the other open world section. Uh, it wasn't. It was very, very linear mm. in its sense. Just it's because also you got the another stupidest vehicle. thing Ellie did in the right. entire game. Yeah, at this at this point, this was like this was the this was the point of no return. So, um, so finally, what, what, so hold on. What would you say mm-hmm. was specifically the part about this section that you thought was dumb? Well, not dumb, but I think Ellie, like being driven by revenge the way she was, it's still a mistake to go up against Abby one on one when you could potentially be going up against her three on one, or three or, on however right. many. Oh, right, right. We don't even know if Abby's alone. Got so it. You get yeah. get Jesse, get Tommy go yeah fuck shit the revenge the revenge has blinded her basically her choosing you definitely her choosing to spurn jesse basically exactly Mm -hmm. her her choosing to confront abby over finding tommy because she feels like jesse is gonna stop her from doing what she wants to do which is ultimately kill abby yeah because they they kind of they had like an agreement that they were going to find tommy and head home because of dina being uh, she's only going to get worse throughout the the coming days and weeks, and so they needed to get her back to Jackson. So from there, Ellie finally reaches the aquarium. There's a point. A naughty dog did lie to us. They said that we weren't going to have to kill any dogs. We did kill a dog because mm-hmm. Ellie falls through falls through a vent and a there, dog attacks her. Uh, there were dogs earlier on in the normal combat sequences, but you don't necessarily, I guess, allegedly have to do anything you, about them. You can. I had sneak to take them all them. out because yeah. 
it didn't I, work for me. I can't say but. that I didn't have to kill any dogs because I definitely did because I'm not good enough at this game. But because you hate dogs, of course. Yeah, I mean, you could have just They're turned just... on the accessibility setting of if you're lying on the ground, you're invisible to literally everyone. Yeah. Um, I didn't look in the accessibility. Oh, you should have, and we're going to talk about you it. There's yeah. There's some there's some great features, but continuing yeah. on, you do kill a dog, and then you find two people. You find Owen and you find Mel. You don't know the you. I think you know their names, but who who? Whatever. I, I think she knows um, them from the the uh, Polaroids that she finds in the yes, hotel. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you are right. Um, and so we, we find these two people, and Ellie is trying to do the same map trick that uh, that Tommy and Joel have both used before because she learned it from them. She's not very good at it because she's kind of like telling them, it's like, point to on the map right where you're standing in front of me and the other per- person could definitely see. But like, she's just fueled by rage at this point. So I'm not like, I'm not chalking this up as like a, a nitpick or anything or like a, hmm. a plot hole or anything. I'm just saying like, she's definitely like, she's not thinking straight. She's consumed this. Yeah, she's by the blind rage, rage yeah. mode. Yeah. And at that point, uh, Mel tries to, tries to attack her. Uh, Ellie's switchblade eventually ends up in Mel's throat and she also kills Owen. Owen is bleeding out and he says she's pregnant and Ellie realizes that Mel is pregnant. And from there, Ellie kind of has a freak out of, oh my God, I didn't just kill two people. I definitely killed three three lives are like because mel is pregnant so, and so i, I had, like, at this point i had forgotten earlier in the game when owen had said she was pregnant so when they revealed that yeah. here i was nearly sick to my stomach yeah you're also like you also don't know mel at this point so no. it's like you're you, you don't know that that's that character and so it's like you just you're kind of again it they do a very good job of just kind of putting you in the same headspace of the character you're just like holy shit what have i done yeah this is Though, though, obviously, in the context of the game, you didn't have a choice. This is how the story is being presented. But you're still like, oh, my God. And from there, Tommy and Jesse find Ellie, and they decide to go back to the theater. And at this point, they have all decided, we're going to go back to Jackson. They ask Ellie, is that okay with you? And she's like, it has to be. And so from there, they decide to... Are they're they're kind of bantering. Uh, Tommy says that he found some jewelry as like a as a makeshift like uh, sorry present for Maria, and he goes to go get it to show them. And from there we hear a scuffle. Ellie and Jesse uh, head through from the theater to the main entrance, and we see Abby. Well, first off, Jesse gets shot in the face. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Just right away, and from there we see uh, we see Abby is standing over Tommy and. They have a bit of an altercation. Abby is like, we let you live, and you threw it away. And it gets really close on Abby, and we think she's about to pull the trigger. And then... Fade to black. The end. Credits roll. Seattle, day three complete. This was uh, quite This was quite the, the section story-wise. This was like, I thought we were getting close to the end of the game at this point. Yeah, me too. Like, yeah, I thought, I thought we were about to get the climax. We're going to fight Abby at this point. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, it was... Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to rag on the Ellie sections anymore, but, like, I thought, you know, uh, Ellie going up to the aquarium in this section of the game was a great illustration of, like, both what I also... What I really did enjoy about Ellie sections of the game and also what I really didn't enjoy, where I thought the approach to the aquarium in the boat was fantastic. It was so dramatic, so tense. I didn't enjoy the fact that the game started you off so far away from the aquarium and just had you do a lot of 
like I feel needless grinding to get all the way there. And it's like it's not like the game starts you at the theater. It starts you at a kind of midway point between the theater and the aquarium. So it's like, well, yeah. couldn't you put me a little bit closer? But again, I would say a really great conclusion. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like the. In, I I believe it's here or maybe towards the end of day. No, it's day three, I think, where the Seraphites are introduced as a another faction yes. in the park that you're fighting against, and that like that reveal of oh it's not just the wolves there's these other fucking crazy ass people out here murdering people with bows and arrows and shit and i'm just like and they're whistling too the yeah when they're whistling to each other i love the like the i so i play games with subtitles on and to get into the accessibility settings a little bit there there's an option to uh, turn on an arrow that essentially tells you from what direction somebody is speaking if they're not on screen and oh, interesting. when I had a whistle come up and the whistle was behind me, I nearly shit myself. Like <laughs> it's it, it, those moments got very, very tense of trying to crawl through the grass and avoid the Seraphites or use my, yeah, use whatever I had a- access to. Usually the pistol with the silencer on to keep them from finding me. And it, it got really tense through those moments. And I really like the fact that it's, you're, you're, you're sort of dropped into the middle of what you later find out is this big, turf war essentially between two rival factions and Mm -hmm. even still ellie does not give two shits she is on a hell path towards abby because that's all she really cares about in this moment and i really like what they did here and i do have something to say before we get into what happens next so i'll let everyone else talk about day three and then i have one more thing to say Uh, i just want to say i am agreement that the whistling was great did you feel, though, that having the subtitles on kind of ruined the kind of mystery and scariness of the whistling, though? Um, not really. No, okay. I thought the way that they, they, the way that they did it first was, like, you just kind of, like, it, you don't, you still don't know what the, the deal is. And then the when they do, like, you hear some whistling, and you hear it regardless, and, like, it doesn't say who it's from. And then you get the arrow in your shoulder, yeah. like, because that's unavoidable. That's mm. kind of, like, the introduction that, like, you. there's no way that, like, the subtitles was going to spoil that. So I think it was, like, regardless if you had subtitles or not on, it was a really good introduction that I... Well, yeah. okay, so I didn't have subtitles on, and I remember... So I only realized I was hearing communication whistles in retrospect. Uh-huh. I didn't, like... I, I like I heard this whistle and I thought, you know, I didn't I didn't it didn't quite sound like a bird, but I thought maybe I don't I don't know I'm walking through a park what is this, mm-hmm. you know? And then all of a sudden Ellie gets the arrow in the shoulder and uh, oh fuck yeah I, what the fuck's going like, on? There's not- and and you know it threw me for a loop right so um, for me you know I going into it with without any of any of the text on screen or anything like that I just sort of the immersion of like oh that's a weird fucking no- <gasps> oh god right and just yeah and like I mean, not, it's not, supposed to surprise you just like yeah. and nothing in did, nothing Ellie. in the subtitles really gives that away um mm-hmm. in any sense i think they actually do a really good job of camouf like not necessarily camouflaging what's happening with the subtitles but it's not it's not like having descriptive audio turned on of oh a whistle is coming from here that is more intent for whatever reason it may be it's just I, I don't know. I, I've always been the, the kind of person to play with subtitles on because I feel like I miss some things that are just spoken when I'm not entirely focused on it. I feel like it helps, but didn't didn't ruin that surprise for me. 
we're all in agreement that obviously, you know, subtitles are important for people who are kind of hard of hearing and there's, you know, no shame in using them. It's just, it's one of those things where I do wonder if I would have been a little bit more freaked out by the whistling if I hadn't seen at the bottom of the screen alert whistle or nervous whistle or what have you. Oh, did you have them turned on cozy or no? I I did have subtitles turned on. So did you want to say your one last thing about day three before we continue? My one last thing is actually kind of the transition between day three and the start of Seattle day one is they went full Avengers Endgame with it of fade to black. You don't know what's coming and they subvert your expectations by having Seattle day one just pop up on screen similar to the Endgame moment of five years later. No one knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. It subverted expectations and it threw everyone in the theater or in this case my living room for a loop. So before we get to that, because I did skip over another one of the flashbacks because I apparently forget where I forgot where they were all placed. So there was one more flashback with Ellie that actually is also very important. She goes to the uh, Salt Lake City Hospital. She finds it. She finds a, a recording from Mel specifically uh, listening to it. Uh, it turns out that she learns the truth and Joel comes to find her. She talks to Joel and she's like, you tell me the tell me the truth about what happened. Otherwise, I'm done. I'm leaving. And Joel tells her the truth, like the honest to God truth. And and then she says that she'll return to Jackson, but their relationship is done. Like she is no longer going to like talk to him like she she is done with Joel. And this was a really sort of sad moment because from that point forward, we haven't like we hadn't seen them talk to each other at any of the points up to the like previous before his death and so we don't know like how did there because like she's a little bit older in that scene but she's still not to the age that she is uh where the game starts and so it really kind of put in perspective of like oh it, it like she's still something must there's it felt like there was something more that happened to be like there's a reason why she's still fueled with this much revenge if yeah she's and like, like if she said she was well, like done with joel there, there's part of it yeah, that you'll end up going through where you think and it, it consistently it consistently changes to you know a, a different phrase or whatever where you think oh shit that's the last thing she said to him and then it you know it goes to the next pla- oh wait no this could have been the last thing she said to him right because mm-hmm. you know um you, you have you have that moment where she says that they're done this is the last like real valuable thing that she said to him. Maybe um, you'll find out later, you know, what really was the last thing she said to him. But you know, that that's kind of like the thread kind of like pushing you forward on her tale of revenge is just like, fuck, she's got to get revenge because she feels guilty because that's the last thing she said to him. So, so continuing forward from abby about to pull the trigger on ellie we don't actually get the seattle day one yet we get a flashback to the to salt lake city and we're playing as a younger abby and it turns out we we learn because she's looking for her father and when it turns out we learn that her father was the surgeon was the firefly surgeon um he is the one who was talking to marlene to to pressure um to pressure marlene into doing the surgery to get the to be able to make the vaccine for the cordyceps and uh, and 
Marlene is hesitant about it, but finally she caves. Is like, okay, this is this is the greater good. We're gonna we do have to tell Joel though because he did travel halfway across the country to to do this, and so she's like, we're gonna go tell Joel, and then he goes to prepare for surgery. Uh, and then we find out that Abby then finds his body and she is now, this is the point where we see what drives her and that she is in a very similar boat to Ellie where she's going to be driven by revenge. And for there, that's when we get the Seattle day one. And this is the point where you find out, Oh shit. We're doing the next three days as Abby. So I, I didn't think that. I, really? I saw Seattle day one, right? And I, oh, we're playing as Abby some more. Um, it, it took me until the second day before I realized that, oh, fuck, no, this, this, we're, do, we're doing the whole thing here. Um, because I, I, at one point, like when you first start being a, oh, look, wow, there's a, a small character tree for Abby as well. That's, that's interesting to see. I got it in my head that, oh, fuck, wait, no. Abby's the bad person. She's going to be the final boss. I don't want to build Abby's character up in such a way that it makes it her more difficult to fight later on. That's that that'd be stupid of me. I can't I can't do that. As you go through, you realize that oh no, you're going to be with Abby for a while. You may as well just build her up and have fun as you go, but you know, it wasn't entirely clear to me when I first got there, but right. So as somebody who, you know, as I previously revealed, had been spoilt to uh, what was going to happen in this game, who knew that there was going to be an extended period throughout the game where I was going to be playing exclusively as Abby, I was really concerned when I reached the end of Ellie's campaign that Abby's campaign was going to be revealed to be this cat and mouse game with Ellie, where every single time that Ellie was at a location, you were going to learn that Abby was actually six feet behind her or six steps ahead of her that the her entire campaign would be like she would learn that ellie killed one of her friends she would go to the location where a friend was killed she would learn that oh now ellie's in this other location she would go in pursuit of ellie and then the cycle would repeat itself and so i was really really happy to discover that bar a few crossovers here and there for the most part abby's campaign really kind of marched to the beat of its own drum and went in its own direction Mitch. I don't know, like, I'm curious about you guys. Like, were you expecting that Abby's campaign would be a lot more intertwined with Ellie's? Or were you expecting it to kind of be its own thing? And, like, did you have any kind of reservations? Or were you looking forward to what you imagine it would be about? So I was kind of expecting it to be its sort of own thing. Just by the way that, like, Ellie was sort of chasing her. And she's like, oh, Abby's in this place. Oh, no, Abby's now in this place. So it's like I kind of expected it to kind of have its own sort of story a little bit. And then, like at day three is when like i kind of expected the sort of i didn't know what the specific details were going to be but i kind of figured what the um the structure of it was going to be yeah so for me from a gameplay perspective i didn't like the fact that we were starting this new character halfway through the game because i felt like i'd gotten to the point where i'm i'm feeling pretty good with the the gear that ellie has and now we're starting a whole new progression tree a whole new weapon upgrade tree for all these weapons we're picking up now for abby and i felt like it, it was kind of rough by resetting us halfway through this game that being said i kind of feel the same way as alex of abby was ahead and we didn't know what she was up to over these three days so i was looking forward to seeing what had actually happened and then what they ended up delivering with the story was absolutely not what I expected, and I really like what they did or what they presented to the player 
in those three days, but we'll get into that. Yeah, so I'll do the I'll do Seattle day one as Abby, and then we can kind of start. To, we can I think then we can get out our sort of feelings about like playing as Abby because this was a huge sort of shock. A lot of people compare it to the moment in Metal Gear Solid Two where you start playing as um, Ocelot or not Ocelot, um, Raiden. Raiden, Raiden. That's his name. Sorry, my mistake. Because um, those games are confusing. As, uh, or when you play as the Arbiter in Halo 2. Like, it was one or of those. Or you play with John, John Locke. I was going to say, as you play as John in Locke, Halo 5. Right? right? Oh, no. That, right? Was a, that was actually. Yeah, we knew John that Locke was happening. was actually known in, in the, the, the advertising. Like, yeah. what, if you didn't, wait, what if you didn't consume the advertising? Hold on. I've got another comparison. How mm-hmm. about Roxas at the beginning of Kingdom Hearts? All 2? right, let's keep going. Day one, <laughs> Seattle. We are now playing as Abby. We are in the dome. We see what they're what the WLF is doing, like how they're, get, how organized they are. They have a shitload of people. They have farms. They have workout equipment for Abby to, to train and get buff. You um, get to play with the dogs. There are a lot of dogs, and I'm pretty sure I killed all of those dogs. It makes me um, so sad. <laughs> there's one dog, specifically Bear, yeah, and I oh remember, God, bear. I specifically, I because bear. I know, I know a dog named Bear in real life, so when that oh, name no. when that name came up, I was like, that one really stuck to me. And then that... when you run into Bear later, I got really sad. Well, no, the so that Bear come Bear comes up when you're playing uh, with Ellie. Yeah. Um. Right. And but you don't you don't know it's it's Bear necessarily because like you you'll just be um playing stealthily or whatever. You you'll have decided that oh fuck no you know what I need these dogs can track my scent i need to take them out first and i want to do it as quickly and painlessly as possible um so you do that in front of the their bear's caretaker and then the caretaker just goes no bear and i'm like oh fuck the dogs have names too fuck everything right? has a name and you're supposed everything to feel has bad. a name okay so then yeah if you guys don't mind because we are running a little bit long and it is a little late i'm gonna do all three of abby's days rapid fire and then we can talk about abby as a whole because i think it's i think we can kind of do it like that so day one abby and her friends uh uh, i can't remember what the one guy's name is but he was cool and mel they go out manny 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 Manny, mel and abby all go out on patrol wait hold on Mm -hmm. i I sorry i thought you were referring to owen no, Manny. No, the, the guy who goes out on patrol. You're right, it Got is it. Manny. Um, they yeah. all go out on patrol. There is Alice, the good dog, with you guys. And you guys get you guys get um, intercepted by Seraphites. You're on your own. You have to fight your way through. You finally rec- uh, get back to the WLF. They meet up with you guys. And you meet Isaac for the first time, which, played by Jeffrey Wright, which was pretty damn cool reveal. I'm not going to lie. I kind of nerded out a little bit about that. Um, so then... Uh, from there, you learn that uh, you learn that Owen has shot one of the people, and they are dead. And Abby goes to look for Owen. Go ahead, Mitch. Um, until you said it just now, I didn't realize he was played by Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, really? I just yeah. yeah. I just I just had to Google him. Like, wait a minute, I know that. Oh shit! I had right, no then. idea. I thought it was super. I thought it was super super obvious. I guess I was just not. super invested in everything and didn't really. It didn't really click. I, I have a I have a knack for seeing faces. Um, it wasn't his face way, though, right? Like it wasn't. It it definitely it definitely was. Um, regardless, <laughs> okay. that's not important. Uh, we find out that Owen has shot uh, one of their one of their friends, um, and he died. And we don't know what the fuck is up with Owen. So Abby goes to go look for him, 
and your aunt and Manny helps you uh, help, helps you escape through um, the compound, and you're traveling through, you're dealing with seraphites, and then you get ambushed, and you get you get captured, and you start to they some of those rituals that we've seen of the seraphites hanging people. Abby is now a part of that, and she is being hanged. And we meet the there's um, three seraphites, and they they drag this one this one person, and she spits on the the one preacher woman, and she says clip her wings, and so they take a hammer and break her arm in like four sections. It was super brutal. Um, and from there we see then arrows start coming from the forest, killing all the seraphites, and we meet two we meet two. Uh, presumably these are seraphites who have um who have abandoned the cause um they have deserted and they save abby and then you have to deal with a bunch of stalkers which the stalkers were very they scary scared the enemies shit because yeah because you couldn't hear them in listen mode which oh my god they are i i you, if if you looked around carefully you could see them like poking their head up above a box or around a wall or something which is like absolutely that, fucking really... terrifying mm-hmm. it, it, i i I thought they were not that terrible. Once I re- learned about them and realized how their mechanic, I just sort of like, okay, okay, just, just fucking stop, just chase me, just chase. Okay, the, f- and the, f- then the first time I ran into them, I had to actually stop playing the game because I'm like, no, I cannot deal with this at eleven thirty at night. No, fuck <laughs> off. I need to sleep tonight. Go away. I can't do this. Nope. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, Abby and these two seraphites are together in the forest. They fight off. They get to a compound. And Abby then leaves them behind to go find Owen. She gets to the she gets to the aquarium, uh, then finds out what the fuck was up with Owen. Owen decides I, it wasn't worth killing the Seraphite who had just given up at this point, and the guy who he shot was trying to force him to, and so then he shoots he shoots this person, and the guy dies. Uh, Abby and Owen have was it this point where they they have their night of passion. No, I think that was the night leading no. into day three. Was that day? T- no, no, it was in day, day. It two. was. It was in day one. It was in day one. It had to have been. Yeah, because oh, yeah, Mel, Mel shows, shows up, up day two. You're right. To do the yeah. So okay. so Abby and Owen because they were originally dating uh, back when Abby lost her father and they rekindled that a little bit in a very very graphic unexpected um, scene. Um. So from there, we then get another flashback of Abby and Owen discovering the aquarium for the first time. This was a really, this was another nice moment, but um, I'm not going to get into, I'll get into my feelings about it later. Um, So Abby and Owen discover the aquarium. Owen is like, this is my place. Let's hang out. Let's make out. Let's be teenagers. And Abby's like, no, I've got to go train. And we start to sort of see how her, her mindset has been. She she wants to train. So end of that flashback into Seattle day two. Abby feels guilty about leaving those two Seraphites behind. She goes and saves them because the other Seraphites have found them. And then she goes, saves them. She bring, she sees how, how bad she learns that their names are Yara and Lev. She realizes how bad Yara's arm is. So she brings them both to the aquarium. Mel is there to, and Mel says like, Mel is like, she needs, she needs surgery on her arm. She needs it to be removed. Otherwise she is going to die. And so, Abby and Lev have to go get a, a go to the hospital that that we find out that we were there earlier as Ellie to go get supplies. And so from there, uh, Yara or not Yara, Lev and Abby go to there's a sky bridge. They go across the sky bridge. This is a real bonding moment between the two of them. Uh, oh, yeah. Then they you go, realize that the, the height mechanic with Abby too. the vertigo. Um, yeah. If you look down uh, and you're at any like 
secondary level above street level or anything like that abby's visions like the field of view starts to get weird and Wait, Ab- really? abby starts yeah, to hyperventilate so Ab- yeah. abby suffers Holy from shit. vertigo so if you look down from any height everything tunnel visions and it's Holy one of the shit. best things i've ever seen mm. implemented in a game yeah you need to go That's back so and play cool. it it's I, I do also want to praise uh the mechanic of regaining your balance when you're on a kind of scary beam or piece of wood out in the middle of nothingness just because i remember about a decade ago playing a little game by the name of the legend of zelda skyward sword and that featured a very similar balancing mechanic of you're on a piece of wood and then oh link will lose his balance and i always kind of hated those sections because it's like it feels very clearly like the developers are just trying to shoehorn in an extra little challenge for you to do here it's like this actually serves a narrative purpose and you actually genuinely do really fear for abby's life in a way that you never feared for links way yeah. back in the day there's a lot there's a lot of character um progression with like that specific like detail of her um so from there they go through the hotel they make it to the hospital abby has to go into the underground section of the hospital because that's the part that they haven't that the wlf hasn't hasn't been able to get to because it's been kind of quarantined off and so from there abby has to turn the power on turns the power on she finds the the ambulance that has the medical supply and this is where she meets the rat king which is a boss uh that seems to be it's like three people that are all fused together into this giant monster did you see that we need to talk about the rat king did you see the video naughty dog put out about how they did the mocap for that yeah they literally tied three people together i i love i love seeing the the behind the scenes of a lot of the mocap stuff from this is like it's really cool and really worth checking out for sure yeah no so okay so the racking section was i I found it to be somewhat frustrating um yeah yeah it not i mean like i don't play a lot of horror games necessarily um but like i i just it's hard it's hard for me to to sort of explain um, I, I just ended up getting, like, too frustrated in this section. Like, as cool as it was, dying to that thing, like, ten times like I did, took me right out of the experience in, in a way that I don't think uh, helped it at all. Um, but, like, yeah. It it, it was a, a, a cool, interesting sequence and uh, segment of the game, but I... I I found not the difficulty of it, but the, I don't know, the, you didn't quite fully understand like all the mechanics that were at your disposal for the section. Like I didn't feel like I had enough uh, supplies and stuff like that. But, you know, I eventually like after a couple of respawns and it respawns you away from the monster uh, for a bit, but you know, his health is all back and everything. I eventually figured out a rhythm, but, you know, it took a few tries. I, I liked kind of how out of place this seemed in the, the course of the game because we find out that, like, the I mean, in most major cities, hospitals were going to be ground zero for the outbreak. So to have the strangest, most bizarre, outlandish, crazy, big-ass clicker be here or infected or whatever you want to call it, I actually really like that touch, but... 
I know it didn't jive with everybody. It, um, I think it was cool that Naughty Dog straight up let you fight the monster instead of having its fight take place over a cinematic style sequence, which is, I feel typically the way that uh, Naughty Dog tends to handle its boss fights in most of its games nowadays. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just feel like they could have given players more ground to fight the monster on instead of such an enclosed space. So Okay, so I, th- I think my issue may have been like, a similar issue to where in other combat sequences like against normal people or dogs or whatever else you fought um i for some reason i didn't feel like i was presented with the options that everybody else got i'm not sure why or how or i just couldn't see them in the moment or something like that but like if there had actually been a moment where you could i don't know uh escape somehow and crush crush the beast uh, with like uh, some car in the parking lot behind you or whatever you know that would have been you, you know something because you know i kept running around this combat arena for you know following the exit signs but i couldn't get out right and like i could get out once the thing was dead but i couldn't get out until yeah, it, it, it sort so. of subverted what you're able to do in the rest of the game, which you can avoid most of the combat in this game, but this is one thing you actually had to take down. I, I liked... Uh, usually, I don't really like Naughty Dog bosses. I think Uncharted 2 has one of the worst bosses in any of their games. Oh, um, yeah. I think, I think even The Last of Us with David was a very not good boss fight, and I actually really appreciated that I think like Naughty Dog put a lot of attention specifically with, with the Rat King, um, as well as just, like, I thought it was just very unexpected. Um, the design of it was really horrifying and i really i really like this sort of change of pace because for the most part i was playing the game complete i was playing the game as stealthily as as i could and i was doing relatively well with it where this was like oh shit no i don't have a choice time to use all of those pipe bombs that i made and so i i enjoyed it for what it was and it was a very nice sort of change of pace to the rest of the game up to that point so continuing on uh Abby gets out. Also, the WLF is now onto her that she has gone AWOL, um, and they are looking for her, and Lev saves her, and they get back to the aquarium, and Lev, uh, Lev and Abby are waiting out in the, the, um, the, the waiting area. Alice comes by. Lev is afraid of dogs because, obviously, the only encounters that he has had with dogs have been the WLF dogs trying to kill him. So, of course, he's going to be kind of nervous around dogs. But Alice is, like, a very sweet dog. And if I'm not mistaken, I think he gets to pet... um, He gets to pet uh, Alice for the first time. It's really nice. It's a really nice sweet section. And they play with throwing the toy around and stuff. That's a little bit later, but we'll we'll get to that. Uh, Regardless... um, Yara's arm has been removed. She is fine. She is resting now. And that is the end of Seattle Day 2. We get another flashback with Abby. This is Christmas time now. And Abby goes to visit Owen in the aquarium. She gets to beat the high score from Mel and Owen in the arrow game. And Owen reluctantly puts her name on the board. Um, from there, Abby reveals that they found Joel. They know where he is. Or, well, they have a vague idea of where he is, which is Jackson. Uh, and she she says to Owen, like, you're in with this, right? And Owen's like, there's no way Isaac would have approved this. And Isaac, of course, would because he he loves he loves uh, he loves um, justice. And so this is with the point where they're like, we're doing this. And we get to see a little bit more of the the character interactions between the two of them. 
Uh, that's the end of that flashback. Now, Seattle day three for Abby. Uh, Lev is upset because Lev wants to go get the, uh, Yara and his mom. Uh, they, Yara and himself have an argument, and Lev runs away, and Yara and Yara and Abby go look for, like, a, uh, an apology present, and they find a shark toy. This is where you get to play with Alice. You get to do the, the ball throwing, or the toy throwing. Yara, as well, gets her first real interaction with the dog, as well, which is very nice, because she was also a warrior, because she has the scars on the sides of her face, which is a nice little character detail. Um... And so it was a very nice interaction with them. Uh, and it also makes you feel really sad because you, re you remember, oh, yeah, I killed that dog like like 10 hours ago. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, so they find out that Lev has ran away to the island to go and find their mom. And so Abby and Yara go after him. They reach the island. They know that the WLF is also going to be heading towards the island because they're doing an invasion. And then... They, it's basically, they just, they're, they're caught in the middle of a civil war, or they're caught in the middle of the turf war. Like, this is, like, the, the final battle in, in some senses. So, hold on, quick question. Can somebody explain, this island that the Seraphites are living on, was this, like, originally part of the landmass of yes. Seattle and basically... Yeah. Yeah, okay. earthquake, earthquakes basically caused flooding around it, so it literally became an island where the the, the, the space needle, needle is. is. Space needle. The space needle. Is, yeah. is this something that was like explained in like some lore no. or like it's, notes? No. It's kind of you can kind of just like because like of the way that the rest of the city is like falling apart and there's like huge like um, the huge rivers flooding running and rivers. The... It's it's kind of assumed that there was like some sort of either like with the nature taking over that there was probably some like natural disaster that then caused like all of this to, to happen and the flooding. So it's not okay. directly explained, but you can kind of like pick up the pieces of what So happened. what is directly so, explained that we kind of passed over is why Lev ran away in the first place, like why they're on the run and all of that. Yeah. And I think the that was Lev's very reveal. important for the character yeah. progression and Honestly, for right. me, at least the way I played Abby, part of the reason why I felt so attached to the two characters is is that revelation of why they ran away in the first place. So, yeah. So earlier, earlier, Abby's like, why are you guys on the run? Like, why are you guys abandoned? Like, why are you guys rejected Seraphites? And Lev says, it's because I shaved my head. And we find out later that um, we find out from, from uh, later from one of the... Yeah, yeah. Well, we find out. Well, we hear in, one of the in other combat. Yeah, we, yeah. In one of combat, the other Seraphites start calling Lev Lily. Yes. Yeah, and from there we can kind of connect. No, the I think of, the, like, uh, the, the sister also mentions at one point that Lev's role in their society was to be a wife for one of the chieftains. Yeah, and that. Is, oh no! It's at this point during the explanation. Oh, yeah, okay. like there's start there's like there's a few things and then we learn about the lev was supposed to be a wife and that isn't the role uh, that he wanted from, to yeah. fill in their society and it, shaving the head was something that the men did and it was the act of rebellion yeah, yeah. Hmm. and so from there uh it, it really kind of puts in perspective of where lev is coming from and that you know it's like he still cares for his mom but like he's kind of been rejected by the society yeah. that he's basically it's all he's ever known yeah. um did um mm -hmm. sorry uh yeah, go ahead okay so th this was like a big trans character reveal correct right um i remember seeing like like after i had finished the game people on the internet still trying to play through it and stuff and so i i went looking at that point and i saw a lot of people assuming that because of abby's body type 
that she was going to be the trans character and it's like yeah i, I believe yeah you make that face Mitch, but yeah it was it was a it was a thing that i saw going around like a lot of people not reading context clues and not necessarily paying attention it's just i don't know i don't know did, did you you guys never got that vibe from abby because yeah we like, literally we literally no. saw her like when she was like 14 before yeah. she like dedicated herself to getting fucking jacked and like yeah. it was just like it's dumb yeah, a lot of this is dumb internet yeah, I was gonna say, dumb this is internet the, the toxic masculinity you see on the internet of yeah no women can't be built like that although we see people and women who are built like friggin rock stars and shout out to them because yeah. i can never do that for myself and it's just the internet finding more things to complain about when it's just a story being told and these like not everyone fits the mold of what you would expect them to be in the post-apocalypse so there are still going to be people that are trans and have to deal with that on top of dealing with the fucking apocalypse as well as people committing yeah. to their fitness and knowing that if you ain't fit you ain't gonna last in this kind of world not only that, but like literally one of the first things that you see when you start out Abby's campaign is a giant gymnasium that's right outside her cabin room. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things where it's like clearly Naughty Dog was very self-conscious about we need to make sure that players believe that she could be this ripped and they succeeded. I did feel in the moment that like kind of feel like maybe we could have waited to show the gym a couple of floors up. I also don't think you need only... to show the gym. Like I don't like I, I liked it because it added it added context to the just the how how set up the WLF, WLF is just in general. Yeah, exactly. That's understandable, yeah. The the only unrealistic thing about Abby is the fact that she ate a burrito in three bites. Uh, you've seen I don't me, know. You, you get, you seen get that kind of muscle mass. All right, maybe I'm maybe I'm the weirdo here. Okay, moving <laughs> moving forward, continuing on day three. Um, the civil war, the WLF has landed on the beach. They reach Lev's mother's uh, house, and we find Lev ha- Lev killed his mom in self defense. She she, reject- it she was, rejected him essentially. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so he didn't have a choice, and she's dead, and he's kind of freaking out. But Yara manages to sort of get through to him, and they decide, yep, let's. It's time for us to leave. Let's let's get the hell out of here. Um, and from there, they uh, they meet Isaac again, and Isaac confronts Abby, uh, and Lev is like, don't, or not Lev, uh, Abby's like, don't shoot them, like, they're not part of the, the Seraphites, and Isaac's like, I'm gonna shoot them, and Yara, in her final breath, shoots Isaac, presumably killing him. We never see him again, so I'm assuming he died at that point. It doesn't exactly matter if he lived or died, but from there, Yara is dead, and Lev and and Abby have to make a run for it. They lock themselves in a building, and Lev is like, your people did this, and one of the most character-defining moments of Abby is saying, no, you're my people. Um, I really wanted to point I that just out got before, we continue, before we start the real discru- discussion, but that was a moment that really, like, that really impacted me. Yeah. So from there, they, they get off the island after a brutal fucking fight with the giant. Um, that moment was insane with, when Abby fights the giant dude and basically slashes him to pieces and is grabbing yeah. him by, like, his, like, hanging jaw and shit like that. Like, it was some attention to detail that I almost felt was unnecessary. <laughs> So from there, they get off the island. The island is literal in flames, and they reach back to the aquarium where they find Owen and Mel dead and a map of 
of that Ellie had left behind and they know to go back to the movie theater because that's where Ellie had kind of um, marked as like the home base for them. And from there, that's when Abby jumps Tommy, holds him up at gunpoint, shoots Jesse in the face. And we see we see the before we get to the what how that altercation ends between Ellie and Abby. um, What do we like? I want to talk about just playing as Abby in its sort of entirety, because we didn't really get to go into details about that, because this was like the big thing about this game was playing as Abby. Uh, I mean, in general, I enjoyed my experiences playing as Abby more than Ellie. I mean, I think I, I, I partially appreciated the extra firepower that Abby had upper arsenal. I think that that definitely made a lot of the combat encounters uh, a lot more easygoing than they were during Ellie's playthrough. More than that, though, I like the fact that there weren't quite as many combat encounters. IMO, uh, throughout her playthrough, I felt like there were a lot more moments like uh, the bridge, for example, or like the uh, ride out into the expanse on the island while it's all burning down, where it is a, a little bit more experiential. So mm-hmm. th- that was definitely, you know, that and just her growth as a character were definitely two of the main reasons why I liked playing as her more than Ellie. Um, I guess I just want to quickly sort of bring up, like, just my experience with, with playing as Abby. Um, it was really, for the first, like, day and a half it was really hard to get into her shoes because regardless of it's like okay i know what you're doing i i yeah i feel sympathy because joel did kill joel did kill her father and her father basically played almost a very similar role to sarah in the first game where it was like you have to establish this you have to establish this character super quickly you have to make them really likable and then they have to die and i think they did that very very well with like the whole rescuing the zebra thing like you really like Abby's father for like the very little bit that we get to see of him. And from there it was really hard to connect with her because it's like, even though it's like she did kill Joel and yeah, she's, she is very justified in it, but the way she did it was also super brutal and she beat him to death with a golf club. Like it's hard to get invested with her. And even, even still, it is still hard to be like, you're, I felt like you were justified, but you're also like your method was like, and it, it it shows like the, the buildup of rage and what it does to people. Um, Though the moment on the bridge when they both fall off into the pool and they kind of have like that moment is this was the moment where I like actually started to attach myself to Abby and I was like I want to see where this story is going even though I I know where it's going to kind of end or where I think it's going to end I'm still Mm. like I'm really now I almost forgot about it for a little bit because I started to really get invested in her story. Yeah I I think I've I've said throughout the way I feel and I I can Fair enough. Okay. I'm trying to get through this as sort of as fast as possible while still being able to bring up good discussion. So from yeah, here, so from here, Abby and Abby and Ellie have their sort of showdown. Ellie manages to, to escape to the back of the theater where Abby does chase her. And at this point I was, the, I was expecting the switch to happen where you switch back to Me Ellie too. and the fact yeah. that you play as Abby through this, through this boss fight. No. I, yeah. Ellie was the final boss the whole time. That's what it seems. Yeah. And they do a very similar... I like how they they did it in this game versus... It's very similar to the fight with David in the first game. But I thought that they handled it a lot better with with how Ellie just moved. And it wasn't like... like, Even though it it was like you have to sneak up on her three times, it, it... felt more real to her character it, it wasn't just like oh he's got a gun now he's got a machete now he's hiding with the machete like it felt more da- david felt like um felt like a video game where mm-hmm. 
uh, Ellie felt like you were also like past you was controlling Ellie trying to lay traps and trying to do that sort of thing. Like there was still like it was still, you know, your typical video game three phase sort of fight. But mm -hmm. it, it definitely her movement and everything definitely felt a lot more natural. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt I, like she felt like a character in the game instead of feeling like a boss fight because you spend the first half of the game playing as her. At this point, I was also just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm really torn between the two of them because I really still liked Ellie, even though I was like, even though it's like, yeah, she did some like really heinous kind of shit with like specifically Nora because she didn't know that Mel was pregnant. Yeah, it was fucked up, but still, like, I was still kind of on both sides. So at this point, I was like whatever happens happens i'm just gonna let the game kind of tell me the story because i couldn't really i didn't really like i didn't i couldn't pick a side exactly and so it doesn't there, let you uh right? abby yeah i i ended up i ended up still feeling team ellie at this point even even throughout all the next bits i was still team ellie but like it was getting harder and harder as you go along to just be like to to pick Side yeah, and I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think the point was to pick sides either, because it is the end of the world. There are yeah. no sides. There is those who live and those who die. That's it. Yeah. I will say, like, one small negative uh, effect of suspending so much of Abby's campaign away from what... Uh, Ellie, sorry. A negative effect of spending so much of Abby's campaign away from what Ellie was doing was that when we finally got back to Ellie, I honestly had somewhat forgotten what was going on with her and what her motivations were perhaps if i had played the game more in one single straight playthrough that wouldn't have been an issue but to the be pace, honest yeah. yeah the pacing is weird like I, it felt necessary but also i really would love to see that experiment of somebody who plays the game in chronological order and see how the story differs because it really feel i i just I, it's really hard to put myself in that mindset almost a more interesting structure would be to have it alternate between abby and ellie so like you would play ellie day one abby day one and so on and so forth oh you mean like it, halo 2 where the arbiter goes back and forth to math master chief yeah <laughs> like, like i that. could i could i could see that being an interesting way of doing it which i guess is what it is what i said basically play it in chronological order yeah well and, and the thing and the thing, too, is that, like, I feel like the beginning of the game, it seemed to suggest that that was the direction that the game was going to be going, because it was a little bit as Ellie, a little bit as Abby, a little bit as yeah. Ellie, a little bit as Abby, and ended up not really being representative of what was to come. But, yeah, so I mean, from... I feel like, ultimately, we can't know with certainty whether it would have actually made it better. Mm -hmm. Okay, so from here on, I'm going to go from here to the end of the game, just to get it all out and then we can get our final thoughts in and we can kind of, if you guys want to interject, please. Um, so from here, Abby overcomes Ellie. Uh, she's punching uh, Ellie down. Like Ellie is, is beaten. And then Dina comes in. Dina tries to, tries to protect Ellie. Abby has Dina uh, about to slit her throat and Ellie says she's pregnant and Abby goes good. Um, trying to basically like tit for tat with Mel um, and then Lev stops Abby. This is the point where we sort of see it's like, oh no, you don't have to always go through with your your vengeance. Like you can you can walk away. Um, and from there, uh, from there, Abby and Lev leave, and Ellie is just left there bleeding and just unconscious. Uh, so from there, 
uh, we see it's a bit of a time jump. Uh, we see Ellie has now a house with Dina, the, their baby, which is JJ, which is not, it stands for Jesse Joel. Um, is that confirmed? Which is really sad. Makes, uh, well, kind of. Neil Druckmann said that uh, JJ, or the one of the J's doesn't stand for Junior. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's it's super obvious. Yeah. J, JJ is has got to be Jesse Joel for the t- especially named named after something important to the two parents of this child. The two parents being Dina and Ellie at this point. Mm-hmm. Jesse being the bio dad, very important to Dina, and Joel being uh, uh, Ellie's adoptive dad. For now, Ellie's adoptive son. Yeah, I, I yeah. mean, I'm, so, I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying nothing was confirmed. Yeah, like you, it, it's all a sign. Exactly. It's confirmed in my head, and that's fine. It's your, it's your story. It's my head. Yep. Cannon. It's my. Um, I wrote it. It's my story. You're welcome. Yeah, I own these characters. How dare you, Naughty Dog? <laughs> um, so from there, so from there, uh, Ellie starts having some sort of like PTSD flashbacks of both Joel of Joel's death. Um, it, you can tell after herding goats or yeah, sheep, or something. you can tell that it's still affecting her. Uh, from there, uh, Dina calms her down, and then Tommy comes. Apparently, he's not dead. This was the only time where I was like, "Oh shit, Tommy's actually alive." Um, I was we saw kind him get of, shot in the face. I thought he was going to be dead. Yeah, I, yeah, he got shot in the face. He didn't get shoot, shot in the head. Technically, the face yeah. is part and of. He the has head. a li- He has a. He has a limp, and he's also like his. You can tell that his face is like severely affected. Yeah, he's got serious it. scarring from being shot in the face. I'm surprised he managed to get back to Jackson. Regardless, he says that he he figured out where where Abby is. That they're in Santa Barbara. Um, Ellie is like okay, um, and Dina tries to stop her from going. Later that night, Ellie decides I'm gonna go and. Dina tries to stop her one last time, and and Ellie's like, I have to do this. From there, we switch back to Abby and Lev. The two of them are looking for the Fireflies. They find a radio station where the Fireflies used to be. They contact somebody. It could We, we assume it's the Fireflies. Uh, there's some speculation that it wasn't actually, that it might have been this the Rattlers. Regardless, they, they figure out uh, the Rattlers capture Abby and Abby and Lev, and we find this new faction of slave traders. Uh, Fun fact, uh, the big Rattler guy was played by Travis Willingham, who is married to Laura Bailey, who is the voice hmm. of Abby. Okay. She was the actor. Uh, she, that's she actually kind of cool. all the mocap and everything yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So from here, uh, Ellie finally reaches Santa Barbara. She finds the boat that they were staying in. She finds out where they were going. Uh, she then gets captured, or she gets captured by one of the traps that the Rattler set up. She gets impaled by a tree branch. There's a clicker also hanging. Um... And from there, she kills Travis Willingham's character. Uh, well, she kills the other guy and then interrogates Travis Willingham's character. Um, she gets bitten, and he's like, oh, do you want me to t- tell... I'll tell you where Abby is if you let me live. And she, like, looks at it and kind of scoffs because, obviously, she's immune. She kills him, finds out where Abby is, starts making her way through the Rattler compound. She starts a prison break. From there, she then finds out where Abby is. Abby is on the the pillars on the beach, which we don't know exactly what that is. Abby or Ellie reaches Abby and finds out that Abby is tied to these pillars on the beach, and she is basically being starved to death. Uh, it's this really fucked up scenery that we see, and it's really haunting. And she she cuts Abby uh, down. Abby then lets Lev down. They go to the boats. Uh, Abby is or. 
Abby is really, like, emancipated. Like, she's really skinny. It's really, like, off-putting in a lot of ways. Like, we can tell that she's gone through hell in the last few weeks. Still pretty um, jacked. Like, still in pretty good shape. She, she slimmed down yeah, quite a bit, but, though, from being in captivity. Sure. Yeah, but. like, we can tell that she's been truly, like, affected yeah. by this. And her hair is, like, super messed up as well. I think, it, yeah, it got it cut, did off, get cut right? off, yeah. Her hair yeah. was shaved. Like, yeah. it just started, it just, if, it just started, like, it's started growing out now but if, like, you, if you turn around in that section and look at like one of the other pillars <coughs> you there it looks like there's an abbey look i went to that pillar first and I was saw. very confused when i couldn't interact with it yeah right and i turned around and i was just like who the I, hell did i just really this this isn't this is abbey up here so still. what are we i was confused yeah. in a similar manner when you first broke into the jail and the person that you struggle with also kind of looks like abbey Am I wrong on that? I don't. I don't. Uh, the the, the I, jailer who they get the keys from. Honestly, I I'm I don't. I don't remember that. I never. I never thought that anyone wasn't Abby except for Abby. So I'm completely. You're the. You're the finish, one. Alex. Apparently. Go for it right. again. Okay, so finally, uh, Ellie's like, "No, you are going to fight me right here, right now." She threatens Lev's life because Lev is basically unconscious at this point because he's been, like, he's been starved as well. Uh, Abby's like, fine, fuck it, we'll fight. And they start fighting, and it's this really brutal fight where this time you're playing as Ellie, and you just, you almost don't want to do this yourself because you're like, what is the fucking point of this? Uh, we can also tell that Ellie is also kind of, like, been, like, she hasn't been eating herself because she's super skinny as well, like, compared to where she was at the beginning of the game. Um... From there, they fight. Uh, Abby or Ellie has basically she's she's won over Abby. She's about to kill her. She's drowning her. Abby bites off her fingers. Her um, I think it's her pinky and her ring finger. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and so then Ellie kind of comes to her senses, like what the fuck have I been doing this whole time? And she lets Abby go. Abby like she starts like kind of freaking out. Abby gets on the Abby like comes like she she realizes that she lives and she basically just gets on the boat and leaves. Uh, and then Ellie's kind of left there on her own. From there, we see one final time jump to the house again. We see it's a really cool shot of the missing fingers uh, of just Ellie's hand. She goes inside the house. She sees everything is gone except for her room. And she then finds the guitar. She picks it up. She realizes she can't play it anymore because she's missing very two very important fingers. She puts the guitar down and leaves. And we get a really, really beautiful shot to end the last of us part two so that <sighs> so that's the recap of the, the entire game Holy two hours shit. later um wow good job yeah yeah i'm actually really proud of myself with that one um so very quickly what are our final th like what are our thoughts about the the story and how it sort of how it concludes by the end of it because we we've talked pretty well up to this point but i think like there was a lot that happened yeah. in this santa barbara sequence I, I, I like the fan theory that's out there that because ellie didn't react to the house being empty and like she didn't actually i have that i have that the whole quote here pulled up if you want i don't to think we need the whole quote but it's in essence yeah just like summarize freak it. out over the house being empty or, or discovering any of this because she's already been to jackson she knows where jj and where dina are and this is her coming to like it, this is her coming to the point where she can she understands the path she's been on and it's not the right path and that this is her saying goodbye to Joel by going, seeing the guitar, leaving it behind, and then returning to her family. And I, I like that myself. Uh, speaking yeah. of, so speaking of the returning to Joel, I did forget there was 
two final flashbacks. Oh, we yes. see the the barn see we see the barn sequence, and this is the point where we see like oh Joel like Joel like because there's the the the, uh, the homophobic bigot, yeah. guy, and yeah, and and Joel like tries to intervene, and Ellie's like I don't need your help. Later, she goes and talks to him, like, later that night. And this is the final encounter that the two of them have. And This is actually the, yeah. the last thing she said. Yeah. And it's this really, really beautiful moment. It, this really shows just how fucking good actors Troy Baker and Ashley Johnson are. Because there's this, I just, like, the line that uh, Ellie goes, uh, I don't think I can forgive you, but I really want to try. And he is choking up so hard, and he's like, I'd like that. It was this really, really important scene that it's like, though their relationship has always been kind of at odds ever since what happened in Salt Lake, they still love each other. Like, And there's kind of nothing, nothing will change that. And it was always like that up until the end. And it was kind of at that moment then we get, like, the guitar at the end where it's like, oh, Ellie realizes she can't play it anymore. And she kind of, this is, like what Mitch said, it's her final goodbye, like, symbolically to Joel. So, first off, to the theory about Dina and JJ being safe back in Jackson, it actually is one of those theories that, to me at least, makes sense logistically because... Uh, Dina and JJ were left with this, you know, huge farmhouse that they had goats that they had to take care of every day. I feel like it would make sense that eventually she would reach a point of like, I just logistically can't manage this all by myself. I have to go back and live with the in-laws. Or well, there, there's yeah. the letter from Dina's mother as well that you find when you go back with Ellie, yeah. and yeah. the fact that Ellie also doesn't react to that. Like she would be in a like if me in her shoes or me understanding who Ellie is as a character if she knows that the only thing she has left in her life is Dina and is JJ she comes back to an empty house she's gonna flip her shit because we've seen how defensive she she can be about the people she cares about and she didn't do that Uh, the other thing I want to say is uh, on the subject of final cutscene between Joel and Ellie great scene Uh, this is another one of those alternate reality questions though of would the game maybe have been better if they had shown that scene earlier on because, like, I feel like up until that point, I was still kind of left confused severely about Ellie's choice to kind of, like, keep pursuing Abby over and over and over again. And it's like, on one hand, I thought that was a great way to end cap the game. But on the other hand, I spent so much of that game, like, you know, really not on Ellie's side, perhaps yeah, a little bit too I, much I, so. I think had that reveal come earlier, it would have skewed... Like, I think... Naughty Dog and and the way Neil Druckmann and his co-writer wrote this really does toe the line between like we're having this discussion now who did you most uh appro- yeah side like wh- whose side were you yeah. on who whose story did you <laughs> most uh like jive with and I think had that reveal come earlier than playing through the the Abby section be like why am I playing through this asshole section who took Ellie's second chance away from her knowing that they were on this redemption path themselves getting that reveal at the end just adds so much emotion thinking back through the entire events of the game it's to me it's the perfect way for them to end cap this experience yeah i completely agree like i think the pacing of the game kind of is a little bit all over the place where i do wish that there was a little bit more linearity to it but i think this scene in particular really does just like it puts the the final like there's like like what you were saying is like why did ellie do why did ellie go this far and it's because she does care about joel at the end of the day and i just don't think i think it it impacts the the moment becomes more impactful of where it was placed and that you like 
you finally get the oh this is this is why it's not like a it, like i think it was important that it was at the end yeah um and just speaking uh specifically like <laughs> the, the end segment with all of uh, santa barbara and everything um you know i i just before she goes like when you first get to the farmhouse and everything and you see her interacting with dina and jj you think oh this is you know this is going to be the end um great um you know whatever but you know then there's like four more hours of gameplay left uh, afterwards um and i you know i i didn't dislike that um but yeah. uh what I, I i definitely found myself like especially as you're going through with ellie and she has the panic attack and everything you're just like okay you know what no i i have to be on ellie's side right now she has to go finish this and and everything but then you get through that whole segment you know where they in finally introduce a new mechanic of the p the pinned up zombies where you can release them um and have them go take out all the people for you if you want um the when she, when she finally gets to abby uh sees abby and realizes what she's uh been through then she gets up to the boat and it's just she has that she sees the blood on herself and has the flashback to joel's bloody face on the ground um it I, I'm just like no, no, you, this, no, you could, you run, don't do it, don't do it, don't do, and no, she has to go and get the, try and get the last word in, and you know the game doesn't let you, uh, doesn't let you lose and that be like a branching story path or anything like that. Uh, it's you have to, you have to win the fight, even if, even though at the end you don't necessarily kill Abby, because she's at the you know the 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 thing that stops ellie from drowning uh abby uh, abby specifically is she gets the flashback of approaching joel on the porch to ask for the second chance and that that sort of pulls her out of it wait no give her a second chance right <laughs> so that that's kind of what i took from that um and i was just like oh god thank god that th they can just go their separate ways at this point yeah i wonder if maybe the issue that i have personally is that up until like throughout ellie's uh initial section of the game i feel like the game has a very specific rhythm of we're going to play a little bit of gameplay as ellie and then we're going to be presented with a flashback that kind of further fleshes out her motivations and like i feel like perhaps if this final cutscene between her and joel had happened more closer to this rhythm of the earlier flashbacks that we had of her maybe it would have like kind of felt a little bit more natural well, ultimately we you know we can speculate and sit here all day and wonder oh wouldn't it have been better if they rearranged the scenes this way or that way ultimately yeah. I, I thought that what we got was still very solid yeah. there's got to be a chronological supercut. i mean at, at the end of the, at the end stuff online yeah and i mean at the point. end of the game you get chapter select if you wanted it to be a different experience you could you could dictate the experience any way you do want uh, the last thing I'm going to say for me, this conversation, the conversations I've been reading online, the spoiler cast I've been consuming, I I didn't think this before tonight, but I think this is one of the best games I've ever played. It has supplanted The Last of Us on my top 10 games list of all time after the conversation we just had. 
it is at least in my perspective like in my opinion it is an absolute masterpiece it is more than a game it is art it is subjective it is everything i had hoped it could have been and i i cannot say any more good thing i mean there are bad things about this game but i think they're bad with the intent of them being that way and it's not it's more of a decision and not everything about this game is what i wanted it to be it's amazing the story is unlike anything i've ever seen in games it is a true revenge story we've never really seen anything to this extent and i absolutely loved my time with this game me um so you know i've made it apparent that despite my issues with it i think that it's nothing less than a great game uh you know when it comes to great games for me i feel like they tend to fall into one of two categories they're either consistently good the whole way through or they have incredibly high highs and also low lows lower than the lows of the games that are more consistently high and i feel like this game kind of falls into the latter camp whereas i felt that final fantasy 7 remake and star wars jedi fallen order before it kind of fell into the former camp and it's going to be interesting when we get to the end of the year and we talk about what was the game of the year because like i'm pretty I can totally see the argument for The Last of Us Part Two, even coming from myself, and I can totally see the argument for something more like Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah, I want to give my final thoughts on The Last of Us Part Two because I have had the most amount of time to think about it in its entirety after completing it, just because I did finish it before all of you. Um, and so I've been kind of like, I've been really marinating on this for a really long time. Um, Last of Us Part Two is a ambitious story like beyond anything that I've ever seen done in a game just in the ambition that they that they put forward it's the characters have felt so believable and so real and every motivation I truly truly believed um from like every single decision that was made that was one of like I, I very much like integrated myself in the culture war of The Last of Us Part Two, and I really wish I didn't um, because I'm so sick of every single thing coming out being a part of the culture war. But I just, I, there's a part of me that's like, did I play a completely different game from these people? Because this is like a beautiful story that has these, it made me feel so many emotions that I'm a fucking husk of a person and I don't feel things a lot during media. Like I understand what I'm supposed to feel, but I don't truly feel it like i don't get those emotional feelings in my core of what like of feeling like of feeling uh uncomfortable during something i can watch stuff and be fine with it but this game there's something there's just the presentation value and just like you can tell that this game is it is like the most triple a triple a game that I've ever played because of just the presentation value of every single story decision. Agree with them or disagree. And most of them I agree with. I really liked being... A lot of the time I like having agency of the story or at least having like this feeling of agency. This game, I was okay with just letting the story happen to me. Whatever was going to happen. Whatever Abby was going to do. Whatever Ellie was going to do. Just letting it happen to me. And I think that this game is... I think it is a genuine masterpiece in the sense that it might not be it's it's not perfect because i still have some issues with it like with some of the pacing moments but i think it is genuinely a masterpiece that 
that um, just I don't think has ever been I don't think there's anything that you can compare yeah, it to right they're... now and this is a story that I'm going to be thinking about for a yeah, long time but, Sorry. no and like I said I, I use the same it, it is a masterpiece in every sense of the word for me there is no perfect media whether that be film television games whatever you books nothing to me is perfect there's always there's flaws in everything there's always ways you can poke holes maybe you don't agree with decisions here and there but ultimately the product that naughty dog has put out here is is reinventing the way that we are going to consume media of this type moving forward and i hope specifically around the like we didn't even scratch the surface on the accessibility options in this game like there is such a depth of like this there's over 60 this features. is literally a game that anybody can play and this like that is not something you can say about 99.99% of video games there is there are people who are legally blind or like literally could not watch like there there's just so much thought and care and appreciation for every detail that went into this game and i'm sure that they racked on some of the decisions that the internet is not in agreement with and that's fine you're allowed your opinions but ultimately they put out a product that they were proud of that they spent years uh maturing and iterating and polishing and i think it's nothing less than a masterpiece yeah you you said that like yes everything has flaws and i think the flaws are what makes it human and be and this is the most like this this is a weird this is uh this might be a little bit a little bit pretentious but this is like the most human feeling game that i've ever played because it, everything felt absolutely authentic and felt real. everything every every I, moment every action had weight and you can't say that about a yes, lot of video I, games it felt like every decision was there intentionally again whether you like it Agreed. or not and this is a game i cannot wait to continue thinking about it's uh, this is probably this is probably the game that i've thought the most about since completing it that i've just continuously been thinking about like all of the the moments of it all of the decisions and i can't wait for it to continue being a part of this conversation like how the first one was I think with that, I think we can end the conversation because we could keep going. I could keep going if if um, if given the opportunity. And I also don't really want to because it is pretty yeah. late and it's pretty hot in this room. So with that, we are going to end The Last of Us Part 2 spoiler cast. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone who is watching on Twitch, everyone who's listening to this on podcast services. Um, um, I, I've been, you can follow us on Twitter at uh, PressYYZ um, and if you want to follow any of my hosts, AJ Fraser, where can people find you? You can find me all over the internet at Times Hero, capital T, capital H. That's Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. Mitch George. Instagram, Twitter are the easiest ways to get a hold of me, and that is at Mr. And Cozy. You can find me on Twitter at Alex Kazina. Uh, I've decided that I'm going to put out a like short sort of spoiler fee thread on Twitter of my review of this game in the coming days. So look forward to that. If you didn't find that this sated uh, your desire to hear the last of us spoiler thoughts enough. Right. And if you do like this show, we do also record it every Wednesday live on twitch.tv. Um, and it goes live on podcast services on Sunday. Plug, at some plug point your own, plug your own it. social stuff. Come on. 
Yeah, I, okay. I'm going to. Okay. I'm going to. I just I just remembered that part and I didn't want to forget <laughs> about you. it. And if you liked if you liked my endless rambling about the story of this game, because I can do that forever, you can follow me on Twitter at blatantly underscore Alex, Instagram blatantly Alex, and YouTube at youtube.com slash blatantly Alex. And with that, thank you and good night. <laughs>